You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this fine program. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Barry with me. T.P. Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're excited to have another day of football talk for you here on the program. A little bit of college, a little bit of pro today. We'll continue to recap the week that was in college football and start to look ahead towards the next weekend of college football as I've got uh, two guys on the show with me that will not be on the rest of the week. So we'll get some Auburn and Cal previews in. Also some uh, thoughts on the weekend at large coming up in college football. Also today we will begin our preview of the National Football League. Today and tomorrow will be us previewing the NFL. So NFC today, AFC tomorrow, get you set for that Chiefs and Lions game to start the season tomorrow night. And of course, we'll have Joe Bartle of RotoWire on at 515 to give you some updates from the fantasy world, news on Travis Kelsey, that sort of thing. If you want to give us a call today on our Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334 887 3401 locally or toll free. One triple eight nine Tiger Nine. Fun show in store for you on this Wednesday afternoon. Ryan, Tom, and Cam with you here. Start with you, Cam. Uh, good to see you this afternoon. Hope you are well, sir. I'm doing great. Uh, it's Wednesday, and my mom's driving through Auburn, so I get to have dinner with her tonight. Excellent. So I'm very, very excited to be able to uh, see her. I haven't been able to spend a lot of time because I've been a little busy with work and things like that. So. Um, glad to glad to do that. So that makes it a fantastic Wednesday. Um, got to enjoy uh, the the Auburn game uh, from the sidelines um, and and watch that. Put together some uh, really fun video for a, a different job that I have and uh, love doing that. And um, you know, I mean, it was a dominant win in terms of of Auburn. You know, I think they dominated all three phases is all three phases of the game except for maybe the run defense i think that was the only thing that i i kind of really noticed was man they're they're not doing great hugh freeze noticed it i think everybody with two eyes and really knew what they were watching noticed it uh that the run defense against umass was uh subpar to say the least um but uh, uh, some encouraging things as well loved um, that Peyton Thorne could really put the ball places. I really noticed that he could, he was able to do that. Um, loved the the mixing in of Robbie Ashford in the in the red zone and giving him the opportunity to run the ball, which was extremely successful. Uh, three touchdowns. I mean, you know, what more could you ask for? Um, 
and and asked him to throw it a little bit here and there. Wasn't as successful in the throwing, but still, you know, we know that he really is dynamic with his legs, and I think that's where he's going to really be able to make his his uh, his bread and butter. So. Uh, it was a great game. The run game still got going, missing Jarquez Hunter, but Damari Alston still did a good job, got Jeremiah Cobb involved, got um, uh, Sean Jackson involved as well. So, you know, a lot of different guys that were able to uh, to touch the raw, Brian Batie as well. Uh, so everybody t- um, touched the ball for the running backs. And, um, you know, the receiver is a little worried that they didn't exactly get a whole lot of separation. But again, like I said, uh, uh, Peyton Thorne was able to put the ball places um, that we haven't had in the last couple years or so. So it was good to kind of see that he was able to um, to to do that and, and kind of show that he was a proven passer. So. Uh, I, I enjoyed the game. It was great. Uh, Cal's definitely going to be a challenge, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm so excited. NFL is here. That is, you know, I, I love college football, but NFL is, is where I really can just sit and watch NFL football no matter who's playing in all honesty um so i'm so excited for that season to get started on thursday and and give this nfc preview for sure um but i'm doing great a great wednesday and then tom pv also on the show tom you going to a uh, biscuits game i guess one of the last ones of the year uh, high school or the uh, excuse me the My, minor league yeah, season does not go as long as major league so yeah they they're kind of getting ready to start wrapping up and uh yeah, we'll probably try to get over there for a playoff game I, I think the biscuits are they've been red hot <clears throat> they've been red hot lately and I don't know if they're first in their in that division or what but uh should have some playoff baseball coming up pretty soon but yeah they are starting to get near the end and uh going to go over there and check them out against the Chattanooga Lookouts tonight and uh yeah, man, looking forward to it. Looking forward to talking about all the sports and stuff still going on right now. But uh, definitely looking forward to jetting on over to uh, Montgomery, catching a little minor league baseball tonight. Absolutely. So let's get to it today on this Wednesday edition of the show. Want to lead off with one bit of Auburn news, uh, and that was a, an injury update today. While a lot of players are progressing towards playing in the second game of the season, uh, there was an injury in the UMass game that uh, has become uh, fairly serious. Uh, linebacker Austin Keys, who was part of the rotation on Saturday, had a couple of tackles, had a thumb injury in the UMass game that has required surgery and is going to be, quote, out a while. So, I don't, again, you can uh, try to decide and decipher what a while means, but uh, probably some sort of ligament injury or something to the thumb, and it did require surgery. So Austin Keys will be unavailable uh, for Cal, for Sanford, and probably a few more games beyond that. Auburn's linebacker room is still very interesting. They obviously got some good production from a couple of guys that uh, stepped up uh, compared to last year when you look at Eugene Asante leading the team in tackles, also having a tackle and a half for a loss. You saw Donovan Kaufman at safety play around the line of scrimmage a lot. And that's the big question as we look and turn towards Cal is a Cal team that ran for over 350 yards on the ground, six rushing touchdowns. Jay Knott ran for nearly 200 yards against North Texas. And, look, North Texas is only about a 6-7 win type of team uh, in the AAC this year. Maybe they have a a little bit worse of year, but they did go to the Conference USA title game last year. So uh, we'll see how it blends the AAC. But a team that at the bare minimum is not below UMass, but most would think is still a little bit above UMass. And Cal had the production they did on the ground. So, 
again, this is going to be kind of beating a dead horse by the end of the week here as we do the Cal previews. Uh, but the rush defense is going to be the thing, I think, guys, to to look out for, to maybe worry most about. Obviously, there's other things we want to see on, when Auburn's on offense, but I think the thing to worry most about on the weekend is Auburn's front seven against uh, Cal's rushing game. Yeah, uh, and, and one of the big things that that starts out with is the very minor details, and it's something that Hugh Freeze pointed out, about uh, lining up and lining up correctly and that he was really frustrated that they were having trouble getting themselves lined up properly that's a small detail that that you had that you can fix that very easily yeah that that's something that you know is a a self-destructive type thing if you just can't line up to the way you're supposed to uh, so it starts there, but then getting off blocks, you know, shedding blocks, being able to to stay in your gap and and have that kind of uh, ability to stay there and meet the running back head on. And then there's the tackling aspect of it. I, I thought the tackling was a little better, but there were times that against UMass, there were definitely some times that the tackling was not very good. And those are just those are the things that you're going to have to improve. Otherwise, you're going to have a running back like they have go for 188 again and you don't want that that's a that's a recipe for disaster if you've got guys running all through your defense yeah absolutely a recipe for disaster i mean everything that tom said is 100 percent true you just gotta just tighten up the little things that's just the most important thing here and i i think that's something that hugh freeze is absolutely going to emphasize this week uh getting on the little things because you know even though you were able to out talent um, UMass, it's going to be a lot tougher to do that with a more disciplined Cal team um, that, that you know is also a little bit more talent, a uh, little bit more talented than uh, UMass was. So you're you're definitely going to have some challenges if you're if you're Auburn and you know you're not at home, so you don't have that advantage. So you're really going to have to be on your p's and q's uh, if you're the defense. I mean, all of the entire sure. team. I think this has become, though, a, a different test. I, I think that it's still one that, again, Auburn should expect to win. Uh, they are going to be favored by roughly a touchdown, depending on where you look for the for the betting lines. Uh, but I think that the challenge is a little bit more formidable than maybe we gave it credit for coming yeah. into the preseason. And, look, I think that's, that's good news, honestly, because – Obviously, if you lose, then it becomes bad, and then it's awful, and then you get ready for a uh, either a you're going to need a big turnaround at some point, or it's going to end up being a disappointing year. Uh, but this offense will test Auburn legitimately, and coming into the year, if you're talking about a four win Cal team or a five win Cal team, whatever they were the last couple of years, uh, they were they were not making bowl games. If you're talking about that kind of team. You really can't even discern much from this game, and you hate to be that way, but you're really going to end up getting a quarter of the season in knowing very little about how it will translate in the SEC. And while Cal's defense, I'm not going to tell you, is going to translate out to an SEC defense, or at least most of them that Auburn will play, I think Cal's offense will be pretty competitive with some of the offenses that Auburn sees. I I could easily see Cal being – on an offense, from an offensive standpoint, being on the same same level as an Arkansas, or being on the same level uh, in ground attack, uh, you know, as an Ole Miss, which yeah. is what 
uh, Justin Just, Ferguson yeah, was talking Ferguson about yesterday. Now, now, sure, at the end of the day, Ole Miss might still have a few pounds here and there in Cal, and, and Ole Miss might run in a little bit quicker or you know throw it a little bit better, whatever. I'm not saying it's a one-to-one comparison, but I think it at least rivals some of those concepts and some of those teams. And I feel better about that because – you know, we talk about only having 12 games and you don't get a lot of these things. Place and I would really strength. hate to poo-poo away a whole quarter of the season say it just meant absolutely nothing. Yeah. I have no idea about anything. I think that at least Auburn can feel that how it does against Cal, it may not translate to the absolute top of the SEC, but it'll translate to some of the teams on the schedule. And honestly, it might translate that particular thing, not Cal as a whole, but their ground game in particular would be the type of ground game that Auburn would face in the type of games that Auburn's trying to get to seven, eight wins in. Because like I said, Arkansas and Ole Miss are two teams that you circle as, okay, here's how Auburn can get above that six-win projection. Right. Because going into the year, Auburn would be favored by probably – be only favored in six of the games. They'd be very close in Ole Miss. I think they're two-point underdogs at home. And Arkansas didn't see a line for it. But those are the two that would then be like the next notch up probably on games that you think that Auburn could win to get to seven then to eight wins. So I think these ground attack – this ground attack will be very relevant in that. And, uh, again, it was not, as you said, Cam, it was not very good against UMass they did a lot of other things well they did get penetration when it came came to pass rush yeah. uh, and they had a multitude of guys do that and get involved there which is reassuring because heck Jalen McLeod was the one hyped up the most the the one that the coaches feel best about rushing and he was the one that was not playing at all uh, in that game and they still produced four sacks the interception was because of the pass rush uh, because yeah. he had to throw it uh, Tyson had to throw it uh, real quickly and so it's not all bad up front, but what Cal is good at doing is what Auburn is not necessarily good at stopping. And so I, I, I'm i optimistic that, A, Auburn still be fine in the game. They'll still win it. But I think they'll actually have to play, you know, whereas coming in the year, you could argue Auburn play a C-plus game and win. I think you up that to a B. I think Auburn has to play a B game. Uh, to win this game and I think that's kind of how you want a second game of the year to go yeah absolutely that's how you want a second game of the year to go because because you're right Ryan you know we when we saw Cal on the schedule we were like ah you know it's Cal whatever you know they they're they're not a team that you kind of have to watch out for but now that you know I heard you guys conversation with Justin Ferguson yesterday and um, he was just going through the numbers and you know they have continuity at head coach and and in the coaching staff overall I think that's going to play a big part because they have cohesion up and down Um, and and then you know they have an extremely good run game with all these different talented guys and uh, it's definitely going to be tough to stuff and if you're Auburn that I mean that's just going to absolutely be something that you you have to really buckle down on um with the pass rush i mean that was definitely you know a a bright thing to to kind of see that they were able to produce some sacks and produce turnovers you know get to and and mix it up especially with the blitzes and things like that i thought that was something that uh, i found interesting to watch and then like you said they don't even have Jalen mcleod playing yet so it's going to be um you know, it, once you add there's still him room to the improve. Full, there, yeah, there's yeah. room to improve. So once you add him in, there's there's another dimension in there. Well, hey, we have this other weapon, so it'll absolutely be something um, something to take away. We're going to go ahead and go to our first time out of the show this afternoon. When we come back, we'll go to the orthopedic clinic phone line uh, for the first time today. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine.
call into the show. Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. T.P. Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Let's go to the orthopedic clinic phone line for the first time today at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free. one 889 First up today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? Hey, Good afternoon, guys. It's uh, Wednesday. We're almost there. Yes, sir. And, uh, Cam and Tom, good afternoon to you guys. Hello. Hey, how you doing? All right. I enjoyed hearing your comments. So, uh, you know, it, it ceases, uh, well, it never ceases to amaze me that uh, people nowadays just don't know when you keep their mouth shut. I know they're 18 years old, but I was taught by my parents, you know, when you say something, make sure, you know, uh, that if it's going to not be uh, something kind about somebody, don't say it in public, right? Well, how about this one, guys? This comes straight from Nathan King, who got this uh, from uh, I guess an Instagram post. And the quote is this. There's a lot of focus on the name Auburn. But what I see on film is not really in comparison to what their name is. I just want to get that into my guys' heads that a name doesn't mean anything. Okay. Uh, it's fine to say that, and some of that may be uh, very factual. Uh, but say it in public, okay, tell to your teammates in the locker room. You know who said that, right? Yeah, Jay, Jay Not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't think I don't yeah. think it's a good idea to be giving anyone bulletin board material in public. You know, I mean, I, I agree with that part of it. I just think that if I were on that team – I want. I de- I definitely don't think that that he's wrong, honestly, because the one part of Auburn's team that doesn't feel like Auburn right now is the rush defense, and we talked about it from last year and into this year. And he's a running back, and they're a running team, or at least they were last week. So I don't think that's unfair to say to your teammates and say, "Hey, guys, like I know they're from the SEC, I know they're from Auburn, but they're struggling. They're they're not a good rush defense. We can do this. That's fine. Yeah, but when you put it out in public, you know." You, you, then Auburn reads that, and Auburn gets motivated by that. So, you know, look, th- this happens year after year in, in different situations, different teams. It's never going to stop happening. Uh, but, you know, if, if Auburn Auburn's going to be extra a little extra motivated by that, they already should have been, but uh, they're definitely going to want to, to silence that. So all he did was make it tougher on, on Cal at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, I've never been a coach in my life, but uh, do coaches not at the beginning of the season ever tell their players – Keep your crap comments, you know, about the opponent they were playing off social media. Do you not instruct them to do that? I mean, it, different coaches have different policies. I, I think that, again, it would be something that if I were a coach, I would I would say, hey, no bulletin board material, hype your guys up however you want. The, the other problem is, too, and I know it's not really the situation in this case, but 
with all these phones, all these ways to video and message and all that sort of stuff, uh, you you can have all those rules and things still get leaked anyway, and people still video like in the locker room. I've seen post game uh, speeches in the locker room that you know someone will go IG Instagram live and 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 broadcast that and and that sort of stuff. So really. You know, you can try you you can try to enact that policy, but it gets a little difficult to police in the moment. And once it's out there, it's out there. So you can punish after the fact, but uh, and you know, make an example of one of your own players. But uh, again, it, it still it still leaks out from time to time to the even with some of those policies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, speaking of sticking with Cal guys, uh, I'd like to get your take on this then, because people uh, two forty seven bloggers that. Um, making guesses, but what would you make the over and under, uh, I guess, uh, for total rushing yards by Cal against our defense Saturday? Uh, an over-under of Cal's rushing yards. So that's an interesting one. Haven't thought about it. Uh, Auburn allowed 150-something against UMass, and Cal ran for 350 or 60 against North Texas. Over-under. I think Ott, he didn't he turn about 180 yards? Yeah, he had like, yeah, like 188. 20, yeah, 20 for 188. Um, I would say over-under maybe – 190? Yeah. I was thinking two. I was kind of right at the yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah somewhat high 100, so, so around 200. Yeah. I was thinking about 185 so, for sure. Will you go over or under that total? Uh, well, if I made it, that means if, if see, um, you can't ask the person that that makes the over under because that means they've put it at a number that they would be hard pressed to decide the side upon. You, you, know, you have to give me a number and then I decide make, on that. Yeah. You know, the Vegas odds, that's what they do. They put it at a total. Uh, hoping that you know there's an even you know betting on both sides. So um, I'm thinking if we get more than 190 yards, if they did, then we're not doing too well that night. Right. I mean, again, that certainly they're uh, they're they're going to start off trying to run the ball. I'd be very surprised if they they start off passing, especially with still a, an injury at quarterback with Sam Jackson. We'll see if he ends up playing or not. Their other guy Ben Finley was fine though in his relief. But I, I think that what you're looking at is. Um, you know, they can run for 200 or so and Auburn still be all right if Auburn shut down a pass game. It's where if you get up to 200 and 250 on the ground and then you've also thrown for 200, then so that way you're just going down the field in right. every which way. So uh, I'm not saying that Auburn should just look at, look forward to giving up 200 rush yards and be just happy-go-lucky about it. They obviously want to keep them to 100 or so if they can, but – I don't think that Auburn loses just because of that, but obviously it will make it that much more difficult on Auburn's offense, and it also make it very paramount that Auburn uh, limit red zone opportunities or, or limit the passing game. Let's stay with that, guys. What is your sense about um, the, uh, the amount of scoring? So the total from Vegas is 53.5 points. Do you see this game for us to win it? will have to be if they grind it out, you know, the ground game or – or are we going to be air rating this game? Oh, I, I well, I, I, I wouldn't say air. I mean, I think it'll be both. I, yeah, but I think it'll when be you say mix. grounded out, I think of a team that's kind of like slugfesting their way towards a win in a low scoring game. I would take the over uh, on the fifty three or fifty. You said it was fifty three and a half or fifty four. Uh, I mean, look, thirty one twenty four is fifty five points. I mean, I so I, I absolutely think it'll be a higher scoring that uh, game than that. I actually thought it would be a high scoring game. Period. Um, because of what we saw from those two offenses last week. 
So, I, I mean, I, I would definitely pound the over there. I don't think that any one game Auburn can or can't succeed in. I think it's too early to tell. I think, obviously, if it's a low-scoring game that's because of rushing attacks, then you get a little bit more nervous because is Cal grinding Auburn to four and five yards a carry time after time. But also, Auburn's capable of doing that to Cal. Auburn's run game is good, and, and that's and, and I know you're going to ask us this too, Steve, and I, I, I'm sorry, I still don't know the answer to, whether Jarquez Hunter plays or not, I, I still trust Auburn's ground game to churn out yards against Cal. So, you know, I don't think that playing a low-scoring game or a high-scoring game really means Auburn can't win or should feel great about winning or negative about feeling. It's really too early in the season to know which style Auburn's going to, to thrive in more. But I think that because Auburn can run the ball too, if it, if it were to go low-scoring, I still think Auburn can can adapt to that as well. Yeah, and so that's what kind of intrigues me. Um, I'm looking at uh, the, the odds at sportslines.com's computer. You know, they do these you know, 100 million, uh, uh, you know, uh, simulations. And they had the score being, guys, Auburn 24, Cal 20. So they have it going under uh, the projected total by right. Vegas. I said, well, that's pretty low scoring then. I just think the only way that happens is if Auburn – just like feels the effect of a West Coast trip. They don't react well on in a road environment, even though the road environment's not going to be what they're going to see in the SEC. And if there's turnovers, like I, I just I, those offenses do not do anything crazily bad. I don't see how the game's that low scoring. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll be happy to admit it next Monday. I'll only be happy if Auburn wins, of course. But I'll admit it slash be happy to admit it. Uh, if I'm wrong, but I, I think that this game will be pretty high scoring because I think that even though running games tend to lend to sl- to games that go by quicker and less scoring, I think that they can both both rushing attacks ought to be able to make some explosive rush plays too. Auburn certainly is capable of that when Robbie Asher comes in the game. I think they're going to be capable. I know he I know he didn't have the best game on Saturday, but I think Brian Batiste is going to break one. Uh, and, and so big playability is still there on the ground game with with good rushing teams. And so, uh, again, I, I think that people, if it were to go that low scoring, I think you're talking about a game where both offenses are just really frustrated by their execution and by maybe turnovers. Who do you think is more likely to be prone to turnovers in this game? I would typically say the road team. Uh, you, I mean, road teams usually, uh, we, we've seen it so many times with, with Jordan Hare. But the problem is for Cal is that it's not going to be a robust home environment. It will be an home environment. I I do not subscribe to the opinion that there will be more Auburn fans there. But there will be a no, real – No, I did. Excuse me. I read that there's a sold-out. Did you know that? It, uh, sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, and also you're talking about a 50 – I think 50 yeah, or 55,000 seat stadium. Um, so this is certainly not nearly as big as most SEC stadiums. So, again, it, there will be more Cal fans than Auburn fans there. And they'll care, and and it'll be an environment. I'm not saying it's going to be like going into like Old Dominion or something like that, or or South Florida with a third of Raymond James Stadium filled up. I think it will be an environment. I'm just not sure that it's the type of environment that uh, Auburn would be would succumb to a lot of pressure to. Uh, so I, I think that they would would handle that pretty well. So that being said. Um, I, I think both teams are about equally likely to turn the ball over because I think Auburn's got the physicality uh, to wear and the speed that could surprise Cal from time to time. And uh, I think that uh, pretty much when you're looking at it, I think that um, Auburn is not going to be completely 
uh, overwhelmed by the environment. Uh, Cam was just showing me the capacity is officially sixty-two thousand at the in Berkeley. And you know, guys, I uh, really kind of overlooked them based on their win-loss record. And then I look deeply. I'm looking at it right now that uh, the win-loss record really is somewhat misleading. And I say that because they lost several big games by only a touchdown to really legitimate good teams. They lost Notre Dame uh, last year uh, by one touchdown, 24 to 17 at Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. Then I went down and looked at, okay, then they uh, lost by seven points, 20-21 to Washington. uh, And that was at home. Then they lose to USC at Southern Cal's uh, LA uh, Stadium, 41 to 35. So, even though they lost the games they lost, they actually played some pretty good competition last year uh, and and didn't get blown out. Yeah. Again, the uh, ultimately what, what separates good teams from bad teams is you do have to win some of those close ones. But certainly against those good teams, as you said, they were hanging around. And, look, there's an argument to be made. This is why they kept Justin Wilcox, Wilcox even though it's like his sixth or seventh year, is that they did have an eight- or nine-win team with him uh, previous to COVID. I think 2019 and 2018 they were – you know they were they were respectable at least. So uh, again, there's again reason to think that this will not be a blowout. Again, I still think for all the world, Auburn should expect to win the game. They need to win the game, but it it will not be an easy jaunt. And uh, if I if I made it seem that it would be in the preseason, then that's my mistake. Especially after seeing Cal put 58 on North Texas. Yeah, well, don't do that again, sure. please, Ryan. Uh, I was looking for less anxiety written game and now you know here we right. go. well again it's it's football there's very very much anxiety in a lot of it but even then i still think i was pretty pretty open with saying that even at that time a two to three touchdown win would be pretty satisfactory so uh again i i think it's changed the needle maybe by a touchdown from you expect to win by two scores maybe three to one score maybe two uh, but Auburn still needs to win the game, period. If they don't, then they're predisposed to having a potentially disappointing season. Yeah, I just hope that uh, I'm not seeing Mr. Ott having a field day running up and down the field on us. Again, hope not, but I, I do think Cal will – if Cal can't run the ball, then they'll have a long day. So I do think that Cal will will have some success on the ground. I do not expect Auburn just to hammer them there. Well, but the, the other thing, Steve, I, I expect Auburn is going to try to stack the box and, and put as many guys up there – to force them into passing situations because you feel confident with your secondary that they can hang on back there. And so you try to stack that box and you basically dare them to throw. I mean, that's going to have to be the way to do it. If you just set up in your normal situation, then they're going to gash you. And so uh, they're going to have to put some extra guys up there to shut that run down. All right. Guys, real quickly, you know, I'm really, really old school. And I always look forward, you know, growing up and even now to Auburn Football View. Uh, seen on Saturday, on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. Well, apparently uh, that is nowhere anymore going to be done. That's nowhere to be seen. Because yep. uh, I was looking for it. I had it on my uh, DVR and nothing recorded. So I went to uh, AuburnSports.com, you know, to, and apparently now it's going to be called Auburn Football Every Day. And I'm reading it here. It says debuts uh, every Thursday. But then it says the show's new format, replacing the previous on the Football Review Show will give Auburn fans a unique and exciting perspective of the program with access like never before. All right, so does that mean we no longer will be getting the review of the the, the past Saturday night's game? Uh, what does that mean, guys? 
I, so uh, this show is art. They've been doing this with basketball already. And you're, you will get insight. You, you will get some insight, but you will not have Hugh Freeze sitting there and diagnosing every single play, every single highlight play that they show. You will get highlights. You will get player commentary, um, different uh, features on players and things like you normally get from, from the Auburn Review. It's just going to be a different format. And, um, you know, like I said, it, it's done well for basketball. I've seen it with the basketball where they – you get the behind the scenes in the locker room and behind the scenes at some of the practices leading up to the game, and it's to me that's actually better than just Hugh Free sitting there talking about the highlights. I don't know. Well, uh, that's your take. I'm, I'm going to miss it because I used to always look forward to. Okay, I want to see the, the coaches' comments here. You know, and do they? What do they think? You know, we did badly. Uh, of course, I grew up with you know uh, Bear Bryant and the uh, Shaq Jordan show. You know, and oh, then, yeah. I grew up with the there. Vince Dooley show. Yeah, and uh, I'd look forward to it because I want to see what their take was. You know, see who the coaches thought did a good job, you know. So I guess no more reviews. Uh, so I'll just be DVRing the actual game myself then and just looking at it. Okay, uh, so that's out of the way. All right, and finally, guys, in sports history today, something amazing happened in 1995 on this date in baseball. Uh, I'm not sure. Anybody got a clue? Uh, da, 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 da. I'm trying to. Th- I have none. The '95. Where was it? A no? Was it a no hitter? Nope. It was not a no hitter. Um, I don't know. Ricky Henderson stolen Ripken. base record. Hal Ripken Jr. of the Baltimore Oriole breaks the record ah. for consecutive games played. Okay. He broke who? Lou Gehrig's record. So on this date, the 26th, 1995, he played. 2,131 consecutive games. But it didn't stop there, guys. He continued and extended that to how many games? Because he still holds the record. I, I forget how many, but I know he kept on going. 2,000-something? Yeah, 2,632 games in a yeah. row before he voluntarily ended the streak and removed himself from a game against the New York Yankees on the 19th, 1998. He still holds the record. How about yeah, that? And that'll be that'll never be broken. I'll be confident. Oh, yeah, that'll absolutely. Never be broken. I guess he was also fortunate he didn't get sick any, right? One of those games were he played he played while he's sick. Yeah. He he was he was a he was one of those uh unicorn type guys. You just don't see that. I mean, there's guys that have a hangnail and won't, they'll sit out two weeks because their fingernail hurts. Well, then he also has this record, guys, unless it's been broken because I didn't find it. After it says here, after the 2001 season, he also holds a lifetime record for home runs by a shortstop, which is 345. Um, I didn't know. Has anyone broken that record? Uh, no, but that one would, would be brokeable, uh, breakable. Excuse me. I, I think that at some point, I mean, these guys keep getting bigger and bigger, and uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head who would be a good candidate for that, but that that at least is, is breakable. Okay. All right. And, uh, guys – what do you know about this little, I guess, well, uh, this teenage girl by the name of a uh, young lady of Coco? I forgot her last name. Coco Goff. Coco Goff. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know she was as good. Yeah, yeah she's, she's awesome. She's really, really good. She's she's great. And she must be pretty good because she's this been is the second time. Yeah, she's, she's been playing. She's been playing professional tennis since she was about, I think, 16, 16 or 17, because uh, she's like 19 now. She's been, she's been on the circuit for a while. She. 
Um, I don't remember when she kind of exactly broke out, but now she's really getting into form as one of the one of the better women's players in the world. Wow. Okay, so she must really, really be good then. Yes, she is. Uh, at that age as well. So, guys, do you know what the payout purse is for the winner? I, I, don't. I do not. I, I don't. I just know it was like close to a million dollars or, or less than that. I'd assume so, yeah. It'd be more. Okay. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, that's all, guys. Uh, the, 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 the guys are leaving tomorrow afternoon. Is that right? Uh, yes, they are leaving tomorrow. Okay. All right. You guys, you guys going out? To California? No, I'm just supposed to be. Yeah, no. <laughs> I have a couple <laughs> of friends that I'm aware of that are Good going to one, California, Steve. but not me. Okay, I saw the tickets. Uh, are going for like $35, $31. Yeah, not bad. Ah. Not bad. Uh, and then I saw the tickets for the Buffalo game playing Nebraska. You see those outrageous prices? Oh, I bet. Uh, I think they yeah. heard they were going for three, four hundred dollars. Four hundred is the lowest one. Talking yeah. about for the Colorado game? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so get, so get this. This is the Deion Sanders effect. I was just I saw this stat last year. You could have gotten season tickets to Colorado games for two hundred and twenty-two dollars. Season tickets for two twenty-two. You can't get into this game without four hundred and thirty something. Oh, That's boy. the Deion Sanders effect. True. There you go. Okay. Some people um, just uh, have too much money. All right. Thank you guys for your time. Always. Uh, my time is way up. So we'll uh, give this another shot tomorrow. Until then, you guys have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, we'll see you on the podcast later on. Where you, guys? Where you'll see. Appreciate that phone call. And as retired, we're retired, Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. By the way, the, fir- the first place men's and women's in the U.S. Open gets $3 million. Yep. Runner-up gets $1.5 million. Nice. Yep. Very, very nice. We're going to take our final break of hour number one. We'll wrap up the first hour right after this. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. As we continue on, again, coming up hour number two, we will talk a little NFL as we'll preview the NFC conference and go through the divisions quickly. Who's going to be the first runner-up to the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL this year? I'm just kidding. who has the right to keep losing to Kansas City right. at the end of the season? Uh, no, so we'll talk NFC coming up in hour number two. In hour number three, a sports call five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. And we'll have Joe Bartle of Rotowire on at 515. But uh, as we get in the last few minutes of this first hour, let's get to today's birthdays and sports. It's time for today's birthdays and sports. 
All right, birthdays in sports today starts off with Derek Lee, who is 48, former MLB first baseman. Lee was born in California and was drafted 14th overall by the Padres in 1993. He was drafted out of El Camino High School in Arden Arcade, California, which is near Sacramento. Go Eagles. That's cool, El Camino. He made his debut in 1997, played 14 years in the majors, two-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner, one-time NL batting champion, one-time Silver Slugger, one-time World Series champion. He was a Marlin, a Cub, a Brave, amongst a couple of Partridge in a Pear Tree. <laughs> well, there's many – some of these guys, these relief pitchers, played for 10, 12 teams. Played for four or five. Ain't, uh, ain't nothing compared to that. But, yes, played for some, some relevant organizations there. Derek Lee is 48. Ryan Clady is 36, former NFL tackle, most known for his time with the Denver Broncos. Clady was born in California, was an All-State football player as a senior in high school. At Eisenhower High School in Rialto, California, go Eagles. Oh, two for two on the Eagles. <laughs> Again? Again. <laughs> he played college football at Boise State. Go Broncos. Where he won the starting job as a redshirt freshman, was a two-time All-American after college, selected 12th overall by the Denver Broncos, where he spent eight years as the starting tackle, four-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, one-time Super Bowl champion. Brian Clady is 36 today. <laughs> and John Wall is 33. Free agent NBA guard Wall was born in the state of North Carolina, was the top point guard in the class of 2010. Oh, well, he started at high school in Garner, North Carolina, go Trojans, but he finished his high school career and was highly recruited out of Word of God Academy in Raleigh. Not just the Rams, the Holy Rams. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Played college basketball at Kentucky. Go Big Blue. For one year, and in that year, he was an All-American and SEC Player of the Year. In 2010, he was drafted first overall by the Washington Wizards, where he started for 10 years. He was a – yeah, he was. The paper says was – uh, he's still in the league, in the league, but he won't be an all-star again. Uh, yeah. Five-time all-star. John Wall turns 33 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Derek Lee is 48. Ryan Clady is 36. John Wall is 33. Also give you a bonus birthday. I gave you my father's birthday yesterday. Former host of this fine program, J.J. Jackson's father's birthday is today. Oh, uh, so well, happy, happy birthday. birthday Dr. Rob Jackson. Happy birthday, Dr. So, Rob. Uh, we love some birthdays here. About four or five minutes left here in the first hour of the program. Let's spend just a moment on this. I saw earlier today Kayla Williams' dad is speaking. Now look, when Player's father speak is usually (laughs) not something to analyze. Uh, But it did get me thinking. So if you didn't catch the comments, basically Uh, Caleb Williams' dad, the summing up, was saying that his son may not go pro this year if the wrong team is selecting first in the NFL draft. And usually I don't take these threats very seriously. However, what got me thinking is, well, if you really think the situation you're going to go into is abhorrent, uh, and want to wait out of the year, you can, like never before, because of the NIL money yep. that you can make. And certainly someone like Caleb Williams can make multiple millions. He Probably not quite what a rookie would make in the NFL, taking first overall because he make $9, 10000000 million a year. But, again, a, a hunk of change. And so how seriously should we think about the possibility of something like this happening in the future because of NIL guys saying, you know what, I don't want to go to that crappy organization. Let me wait another year. Well, the thing is, you you take this seriously because this happens a lot. Bo Jackson went to go play professional baseball because he did not want to go play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
<laughs> I know, I'm aware. Eli Eli Manning. <laughs> there's that whole controversy yeah. over Eli Manning getting drafted. He yeah, did not want to go right to the Giants to the Giants or to, the Chargers. Uh, to yeah. the Chargers. Yeah, he did yeah, not want to go to the Chargers. Right. And there's that whole. But controversy. has it happened since then? I don't know. I don't. I, I, That's my thing. Well, I, 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 mean, I disagree. It does not happen all the time. It's not happening well, all the time. Well, I'm just saying it's not unprecedented. I mean, it has happened. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, they, you're just, yeah, I get I get what you're saying, sure. Tom. Um, you know, it has happened. It's not like this is the first time it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't, I've never heard of this before. No, this has happened. No, yeah, it's not unheard of. Um, but even in those situations, there was an alternative where, okay, Eli Manning still went into the league. He just the Mannings got him somewhere else. Sure. And in the and case of Bo Jackson, he played a different sport and then came right. into the, the NFL draft or came into the NFL the, the next year. So Caleb Williams doesn't have like an alternative unless they cook up a trade snare or something. But right. this would be – and maybe it's still not. And I'm not even saying it's the first time. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying this is the first time in a while that anything like this would be going on. And to my knowledge, again, to just – Straight up, go back to college is very rare. Yeah, yeah. And and it's is it something that we would see more of because of nil? I think we could. I, I definitely think it's something that's possible. I, I, but at the same time, it's something that I don't understand because these players, these players try so hard to get to this next level. So I feel like once you are right there your your opportunity to get drafted you're healthy right. that's something health a big time thing that you could think about because say he does come back then he gets injured and then what and then, his, know? Draft and then, stock it, and then his draft stock is exactly i mean plummeted at that point now sure he still has plenty of talent and obviously he's he's a franchise quarterback when we think about it um but that's just a risk that i'm not sure that he would or should be willing to take yeah. honestly. Well, well because ultimately I mean if you're going to be the number 1 draft pick if you don't like it this year and you're the number 1 draft pick guess what you're still going you're to a probably, crappy team. Yeah, exactly. It, that's that's the reason that's the reason they are picking number 1 is because they were the worst team in the league. And his dad said something about that system as well about the worst team getting the number one pick, but it's like I mean that's really well, you have to is. do it that yeah, way you if you're the leader. Sure. Yeah. Like what are you that that just there's no other way to do the system. I guess if you I guess if he's really thinking about it, he wants to talk about a lottery system like the NBA does. Well, I don't love that, but that's I guess a possibility at that point to kind of avoid the whole tanking situation. But eh. my my thing is this, yeah, and I'm sure he's yeah he's on the uh, Dr Pepper commercials and all. I mean they're paying him a, a lot of money to do that he's he's making a lot of money in nil you're still going to make more money in the nfl i, I don't care what you're making exactly. nil your your contract no matter who signs you in the nfl is going to be a lot more than you're making at southern cal everybody jokes about oh he went he went to the nfl and took a pay cut no he didn't right <laughs> so no he will make more money in there uh, unfortunately you you can't dictate what team you picks you up i uh, you just can't. That's not the way it's designed. You should be privileged that, that you have the ability that somebody wants to take you with the number one pick and give you just boatloads of money to come and play for them. Be be happy. Be thankful. Be be gracious that you have been given that opportunity and don't sit there and throw a middle finger up at them and go, no, I'm, I don't want to go play for you. 
Right. That's, that's again. I yeah. It's I, no, I don't like it either. But I'm just saying. Yes, you would make more money in the NFL, but it's not like you're having to hide what you make anymore. Right. And like, oh, I'm only making hundred thousand right. dollars, and it's really all under the table. Anyway, now I can free free out in the open be two million, three million, four million dollars. And yes, it's not as much as you'd make as the number one overall pick or even the number two overall pick. But I think you can live off a couple million dollars in the meantime to get yourself in a better situation. So I just I can see it as more credible now. We'll see if it actually comes to fruition. We're out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned, though. Anthony from Auburn will join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line to start hour number two. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board and taking your phone calls. Uh, we were going to have Anthony from Auburn, but uh, he he'd, uh, hung up, I guess. So, uh, Anthony, if you want to call back in, be happy to take your call. Obviously had to get to the end of our break there. Coming up here in just a few moments, we will – Get to some NFL talk and the preview of the NFC uh, a little bit uh, later this week, or I guess tomorrow we'll get to the AFC preview and uh, have Super Bowl picks and that sort of thing. We will be returning NFL picks on Thursday, have college picks usually on Friday uh, for the whole week, so a lot of good stuff there. Uh, before we get to NFL today, wanted to talk about really the last item that I had on the agenda for uh, week one, and that was to go through some of the other SEC teams and how they looked in week one. We obviously talked about the, the big games earlier when you're talking about South Carolina, North Carolina, and Florida State, LSU, and, and stuff like that, Florida, Utah a little bit, but just kind of want to update on how all the SEC teams did since we went to great lengths to preview all of them uh, in the preseason uh, so Thursday night, uh, Florida was not alone. Missouri also opened up their season. They defeated South Dakota 35-10. to Of course, on Saturday, here's a game I do want to talk about in just a second. Tennessee thumping Virginia 
49-13. Kentucky beat Ball State, no problem, 44-14. Arkansas, no problem. Western Carolina, 56-13. Ole Miss scored a million points, not quite, 73 <laughs> on Mercer, beat them 73-7. Mississippi State was a little sluggish in the first half. They ended up beating Southeastern Louisiana, 48-7. That was also the final score for number one Georgia over UT Martin. Uh, again, 48-7. Texas A&M, no problems with New Mexico. They defeated them 52-10. Vandy was a little sluggish in the first half with Alabama A&M. They were ultimately triumphant 47-13. to And Alabama, no problems with Middle Tennessee, 56-7. Again, we told you about those other games. LSU losing the Florida State, 45-24. Uh, obviously, Auburn over UMass, 59-14. North Carolina over South Carolina, 31-17. But didn't spend much time on Tennessee. I get that Virginia is going to be uh, pretty low uh, this year. But you had to feel good if you were Tennessee that you won that game pretty decisively. And that, honestly, when I was watching the game, I just th- I just thought of the scheme. And I was like, yep, this is, this is Heupel. This is Tennessee. This looks right to me. Milton's stat line is not anything that you're going to write home about. 21 of 30, 201, two touchdowns, no picks. But, I mean, it's really solid. There's no mistakes in there. He had one rough, rough sequence in the first quarter. But beyond that, there was also a ball in the first quarter that was like a 60-yard dot that the guy just complete I can't remember which wide receiver was just flat out dropped. I don't know if you saw the video oh, of that. I did. I mean it was it was here's my arm strength, here's what it can be. It's in your lap. Go have a touchdown. Nope, never mind, second down. I mean <laughs> uh, it just I mean it was it was a bad one. If you if you haven't seen it you should. Uh, so check the boxes and again, I don't want to Again, hype up Virginia. Virginia will end up being a 4-5-1 or five win team this year in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, when you're thinking about the floor for Tennessee, you're thinking about what used to be Tennessee coming off. You know They didn't have the year uh, with Butch Jones or anything that they did last year, but they would have an 8- or 9-win season every now and then, and then you'd build those expectations – and then they'd come crashing down. So to just bury another Power 5 team like this and uh, to really be able to run it, pass it, whatever you want to do, uh, was a nice nice start for Tennessee. Yeah, seems like it was a nice start for Tennessee. I, I didn't get to watch the, the game at all, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the stats here, and it seems like they were able to run the ball pretty well as well. Yeah. We're at rush for, as a team for 287 yards, so they were productive on the ground game. Joe Milton had a good game, uh, you know, solid uh, 201, two touchdowns. So not much you can ask for. I'm noticing that they have a kid named Squirrel White on their team. Yes, they do. got to have a squirrel. squirrel. That's a great name. Well, and you got um, a brew as well. you got yeah. squirrel and brew. I mean, just wow. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, overall, you know, a, a, a good dominant game and, and something that you can build off of and, and be happy with. If you're Tennessee, you're, you're feeling confident now um, and, and you've shook the rust off and now you're you're ready to keep moving forward and try to compete in the SEC East at the very least. Yeah, um, their, their defense really stepped up. I mean, their offense obviously did what they needed to do, scoring 49 points. They scored 14 points in the second, 14 in the third, 14 in the fourth. So, I mean, that's just domination. Uh, on the defense uh, defensive side, uh, Tony Musket for uh, Virginia, uh, he only threw for uh, 94 yards, and they had two guys that rushed for 39 yards. Parrish Jones and Kobe Pace each rushed for 39. So, Tennessee's defense did what they needed to do. The offense did what they needed to do. 
Uh, Tennessee's going to be good. Uh, we we knew that. We talked about that in the preview. Joe Milton is a very good quarterback. And so, are, are they going to be Georgia-level good? I don't think so. I don't know. They might be. They did beat Georgia last year, but. No, they did not. No, they oh, didn't. no, they did not. That's they, they They did not beat Georgia, Georgia last year. But, right. but, but it is in. But they, beat, they beat Alabama. They beat Alabama. Yeah. Tennessee beat Alabama last year, they not did. Georgia. Beat Alabama last year. Um, so. Uh, you know, yeah, I, I still think Tennessee's going to be good. Uh, they showed against Virginia that they can be good. Obviously, Virginia's not going to be good. They're a three-win team last year. They're not going to be very good this year. To, to me, this is kind of uh, – to me, it would be similar, I think, to what you, want, you hope that you get with Auburn against Cal because, yes, it's a Power 5 team, but it's a team that is not very good. And you feel like that you should be better than them. I'm not saying Auburn's going to beat them 49 to 13. I'm just saying you hope that you can get to that level where you're playing a Power Five team that is not very good, and you can take care of business. Okay, I see what you're saying. In the future, yeah. you're not talking about this season. No, 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 no. no. I, yeah, I see right, what you're yeah, saying. yeah. Okay. Had us worried there for a second, Tom. No, no, no. I'm, Whoa. <laughs> I'm, no, what, no. What I'm saying. I mean, yeah. I hope so too. But well, yeah, no, no. I, I, I'm just saying you want. Yeah. Uh, you know, get to that point. Sure. Um, they play Cal next year at home. You know, maybe next year. Sure. Well, this game was not. Where was this one at? It was in Nashville. It was in Nashville. I think that's it was right. At Titan Stadium. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's uh, I mean, basically a Tennessee home game still. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they, Tennessee took care of business. They, they there should really be no surprise there. I mean, they're just they're better than Virginia. Virginia is sure. not going to be very good. I guess I'm just saying that if you're Tennessee and you're looking at the rest of the East. And you're also thinking again back to the horror, the horror times. Excuse me, where again you might have expectations, and then they would be unrealized expectations. Sure. That this is a good little sign that okay, I don't know if they can end up beating Georgia, and I don't know if they'll have a hiccup here and there. Obviously, they got to play Alabama as always, but they shouldn't just have a fall apart season. Like when you when I watch their offense because I did watch a, a decent chunk of this game. When I watched their offense on Saturday, it looked as if Hooker was running it or whoever was running it for Heupel, Dylan Gabriel back at UCF, whoever was running it, it looked normal. Like there was no just horrid, like what is this turnover? Why didn't you score in the red zone? Why did you just go three and out for the third time? It looked fluid. They only got stopped a couple times all game, and it looked like it. It just looked like they had not missed a beat from last year, even though there's a different guy at quarterback. So again, schematically, it was still working, uh, and as you guys point out, ran it and passed it well. Uh, I wish I, I wish we had seen more of a competitor for Ole Miss this week. Ole Miss scored. Again, 73 on Mercer. They've got a fascinating game against Tulane. And, yes, yes. I said that, and I mean that. They have a fascinating game with Tulane uh, in New Orleans this weekend. Uh, but Ole Miss was somebody that, okay, ranked in the top 25. Everyone reveres the offense, reveres the, the style uh, that they play. Uh, but they had a huge quarterback competition. They, they A lot of teams did. And – it's not going to be solved because of Mercer, but the numbers they put up, let, let's just say they did not want to use Quinshaw Judkins more than they needed to. No, they did not want to carries. run more than they needed to. 
Jackson Dart, 18 of 23, 334, four touchdowns. Spencer mm-hmm. Sanders, 8 of 14, a buck 34, two touchdowns. Even Walker Howard got in and got three of four, 56 yards. Ole Miss threw for 524 yards uh, against Mercer. Uh, so, again, I, I, it's Mercer. You're not going to say confidently that they've made the right decision by having Jackson Dart, but it was very clear – that Ole Miss used that as an opportunity yeah. to get more reps for the QBs rather than run the ball, which they figured they're going to be able to do anyway. Yeah, they absolutely wanted to get the quarterbacks comfortable throwing the ball, right? I think that was the clear objective here um, because, the like you said, the run game is something that's, you know, it's it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to be able to run the ball. Um, but, but that throwing, wow, I, I mean – they were accurate at the yeah. very least. Seventy-eight percent. Yeah, they, they were accurate. So uh, it seems like they they got what they wanted out of this game and scored a lot of points while doing it. So uh, you know, I, I still think at the end of the day, I guess they'll ro- they'll just run with the one, and I guess it'll be Jackson Dart. He was named the official starter, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses throughout the season. Um, if he does struggle against bigger competition will then it be time for spencer sanders to kind of take over uh that's definitely something to watch but in in the first week you know a dominant game against mercer tulane will be fun to watch the the one thing i i applaud jackson dart for doing what he's doing because he had he had every opportunity and and really any reason to leave Ole miss when they went out and got spencer sanders and they got the other quarterback Walker uh, walker howard we sat here, we discussed it, and everybody was discussing it. When Auburn was looking in that transfer portal, uh, we talked about that quarterback room there, and, and it's like, what is Jackson Dart going to do? I mean, did they not have the confidence in him that forced them to go out and get transfers from Oklahoma State and LSU? Yep. Yeah. So they kind of made you wonder. But he has stepped up, and, nah, and I think Kiffin's <laughs> just greedy. <laughs> well, it may be, but it, I, I'm wondering, you know, greedy, but it may have also been kind of that. A backup, uh, a, well, a backup plan, but, but also light, right, lit a, yeah. lit a fire under Jackson Dart's rear end, and and he promptly went out and threw for three four three thirty four and four touches. So, Boy, feast, you know, sure. Now, can they keep that going? We'll see. But it is a very interesting game. It's at Tulane. Tulane is a ranked team. Yep. All, you know, it, USC in the year last year have their quarterback so, back. Yep. So it, it'll be interesting to see if Jackson Dart. Uh, and that Ole Miss offense can get, but I mean they're they're gonna they're gonna let uh, Judkins eat a little more than just thirteen carries. Oh, yeah, I mean he's one of the best backs in the country. Yeah, they're not just gonna hold him to thirteen touches. Any takes for you guys before we go to break on the rest of the league? We've not spoken about Alabama or Georgia. They eh, that's fifty six seven, forty eight seven. Milrow looked good, but yeah. against Middle Tennessee, they'll, they'll, the test will be this week against Texas. Sure. Yeah. Any, anything else from the league? That'll be. I, exci- I I'm excited to watch Texas and Alabama. I am. Yeah. I'll say that. Much. Yeah, for sure. I'm, uh, I'm ready to watch that. One. The, the, I think my only takeaway would be from that Florida Utah game in Florida. I think is just as bad as we kind of thought Ooh. they were going to be. Yeah, yeah. if they, not, maybe worse. Yeah, they, man, that Florida that was, looked really bad. That was. It was tough for them to move the ball. All types of mistakes all over the field. Utah just absolutely went out there and handled business and, and really dominated. I thought it would be a. You know, I, I thought it would be a little bit closer of a game. And you can tell that Billy Napier is able to recruit the talent, but it's the on-field stuff where it's just like, man. You know, it, I just – Mertz just, doesn't fit. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, he it, wasn't great at Wisconsin. Yeah. They were running pro style there. Napier likes a lot of pistol, yep. and it's still, it's still different. It's still more spread than – 
than pro style. And I just Mert, they need a guy that can move a little bit, yeah, and Mertz can really can't. Run. Yeah, and you know. It, Again, it, it is incredibly troubling, and I get that he was wildly inconsistent. But hey, part of a coach is maybe you coach some of the inconsistency, inconsistencies out of him. But it's like if you go six and six with Anthony Richardson, who the NFL deemed should be a top five pick, yeah. then then w- what's your upside here? Right. I mean, I mean, exactly. seriously, at that quarterback position, at least right after that, you yeah, I, because. I, I mean, I mean, Florida was not able to run the ball at all. Yeah. Like, period. And and even with Anthony Richardson, they were able to do that at the very least because of, like you said, the scheme, Ryan, where they he was able to pull the ball and and Anthony Richardson was kind of able to make some things happen and that opened up some things for Trevor Etienne and 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 those running backs back there. So now, you know, they don't have that aspect, and so Utah was able to able to key in, shut down the run game. Mertz was just not great and accurate, and, and I mean, they yeah. just struggled through the entirety of the game. It was tough to watch, man. We're going to go to our first break here of hour number two. When we come back, let's preview a little NFL football. We'll start with the NFC. That's coming up next on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV, Cam Barry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the show. We are just over 24 hours from the start of NFL season, and so we have yet to preview really much NFL, so let's start to do that. And again, 5.15 today, Joe Bartle of Rotowire will also join us to help us with that. Today we'll do NFC, tomorrow we'll do AFC, so let's start with the NFC. I don't know if we have time to go through all four divisions, but we do need to mention at least something about each division Again, reminder from last year, Eagles were really good. Really, really good. The NFC East was a really solid division. Uh, Vikings were a big surprise in the North. South was a poo-poo platter. Uh, And then the (laughs) NFC West was uh, dominated by the 49ers with the feel-good story of Seattle being relevant and a return towards the bottom for the Rams. All right, guys. I think that when we're looking at the NFC – I'm not seeing a great argument to why it would not be Philly yeah. or San Francisco. Yeah. Can you come up with a third? That Detroit. You, you, you think Detroit? That's actually interesting. It, I mean, it's very I possible. It. No, no, I'm with you. I'm actually with you. That's that's very possible. You think they'll get in the class of 49ers and, and I, Eagles this year? I, I they, don't. So they finished year 5-1 and one last year. Uh, they've got some great players back. Uh, you know, the defense has added some guys. Uh, they they've got some momentum going right now. 
I mean, most projections have Detroit up there in that upper echelon with those teams. Now, can they do it, or are they just going to be the same Detroit Lions? But right now they've got puzzle pieces in place that they can do that. The offense is highly dynamic um, for the Lions, and and Jared Goff was putting up – I think he he threw for 5,000 yards last year, Jared Goff, if I I might remember correctly. Maybe, maybe not. I think Um, it was 4,000. 4,000. But threw for a lot of yards. Um, The run game was great. Like I said, the offense was highly dynamic. They were putting up a lot of points. They just couldn't stop anybody. Um, They went out and and spent money on the defense. It's going to be interesting to see if if that is going to pan out. Um, but for the NFC North, it's definitely going to come down to either the Lions or the Vikings. Um, I, I think you know Green Bay is going to take a little bit of a regression, just having lost Aaron Rodgers and and the the transition period. It's really going to be a prove it year for Matt Lafleur, honestly, if he's going to be a decent head coach because you don't have that that real pedigree quarterback now. Uh, you really are going to have to really get down into the grittiness of being a head coach. It's, it'll be interesting to see. Um, so. That's kind of where I'm sitting with the NFC North. Uh, the NFC West, Cardinals are going to be the worst team in that division, followed by the Rams. Um, yeah. and, and the 49ers will be the best team in that division as long as they have competent quarterback play. Um, but that defense will obviously – will absolutely not be able to carry. Uh, and then you got the Seahawks who, you know, could, could be good – um, we'll see how that plays out. They definitely have some some weapons on the, on on the offense. Uh, you know, it'll be down to the defense kind of again if their defense is going to be any good, um, and and that'll be fun to watch. So I'll just kind of leave it at that. Those are my two thoughts on those two divisions. Sure. Unless you kind of take yeah, it. no. Um, but so north, we'll, we will try to do this by divisions. I guess that's why they divide them in some ways. <laughs> uh, so. A Vikings Lions race in the north. Yeah. Yes. Packers where and, and pa- Bears. Packers and Bears are like referendums of do you like their quarterbacks or not. Yeah. And Fields has more tape to like or not like, but I like Fields. I think he'll take a step forward. The addition of DJ Moore to the to the Bears will I think help him okay. tremendously. Right. Because um, they didn't throw much last no, year, he, because, and he did not throw and much they last year. Just didn't have the wide receiving core to do it. They have Darnell Mooney, who is talented, but they needed a true number one, and DJ Moore is that. Hey, with the Packers, I'm curious to see what's going to happen with them post Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and nobody really knows. They, are they going to be okay, or are they just going to flatline? Yeah, I mean, they seem to like Jordan Love, but. You just don't he's know. No what Aaron, you're he's you just, no Aaron Rodgers. He's no Aaron Rodgers. You don't know what you're going to get out of him. Are you going to get a game manager? All different things like that. Like I said, it's on Matt Lafleur. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because the the Packers were so blessed to essentially go straight from Favre to Rodgers. Yeah, and so they had quarterback brilliance for approximately thirty years, give or take. Yeah, uh, and and look, now they were. For all that great quarterback play, they did not come up with the amount of titles that they really should have, that they could have. Uh, So, I mean, in that respect, you know, I I don't think that it's – it is spoiled, but to also to the degree of like we were, they were almost ready for the change by the end of it because every year Rodgers would go into the year with high expectations. They would be really good in the regular season, and then they wouldn't wouldn't get it done in the postseason. So, again, only one one title for Rodgers during all that time. Uh, But it should be – I would say with LaFleur, it's a unique opportunity because we get every so often these 
deals where we have to differentiate is it quarterback or coach quarterback or coach and we got to figure out one of them with new england with brady leaving for three years but with lafleur for as good and clean as it looked for the first couple of seasons, and it was particularly in the regular season, everything kind of became a mess last year yeah. to the point of not even making the playoffs, right. uh, which was kind of unheard of. And so it almost got to be where, okay, is Rodgers on the way out? Of, like, is he starting to decline here? Is this LaFleur is stale? There were some real questions there. I, I think I'm interested most, not even in Jordan Love, but in Matt LaFleur because yeah. I thought him to be pretty competent. And I would still lean more towards Rodgers became harder to work with at the end rather than LaFleur yeah. just, just didn't have any ideas. I also think, though, they've drafted poorly in a lot of ways, too. And so, and that's not always coach or, or quarterback. That's GM. Uh, but with the North, I agree with you guys on the, on the Vikings. The Lions just have to get significantly better defensively because Absolutely. they were the right. worst defense in the league. They were a really good offense. And I, is there a world out there? Let, let me just pitch this to you. So you guys are subscribing to there's a potential world out there where they're 11, 12 win team and, and three sure. or four seed in the NFC. But let me give you this scenario. Is there a world that Jared Goff had a fake season last year? And that he actually regresses and is kind of eh, and uh, and he plays like the 18th best quarterback instead there, of the eighth best quarterback this there, year. Yeah, I mean, there's always that possibility. Uh, but I mean, the Lions have they've added some guys into that roster that should help them and should maybe take some pressure off of him. Uh, defensively, defensive wise, they've added some guys. Yeah, they've added they, some. They went and guys. added a lot of corners. Uh, C.J. Gardner Johnson from Philly. Uh, they've gotten him. Uh, Jack Campbell at linebacker, and then uh, uh, Brian Branch is going to be a corner. So they're they're setting some guys up for that defense. And then if you look at offense, uh, Jameer Gibbs is going to be there. Jamison Williams is going to be there. Right. Uh, they they've they've put some weapons out there to to help out. And so I just I think that what they have put together is going to be better than the rest of what is in that North right now. I, I think there's so all of them have question marks. There's not a single one of those teams that you look at and go. That is a surefire, but I think out of all of them, Detroit is in a much better position to win that division. I, I will tell you this. I'm rooting for Detroit. Uh, I like Dan Campbell. He is likable. I also think it's relevant, though, that at the end of the day, they are the Detroit Lions, and they this will find true. a way to mess this <laughs> up. It is the Detroit Lions. I hope they don't, man. I, like, I, I like Campbell. I get, I like no, Campbell I, just, I said the same thing. Oh, yeah, I, I like Campbell, too. Um, but it's just they're going to play at Kansas City week one. I think it's a great test for their defense, even without Kelsey. Like, oh, like yeah. you don't have to shut Kansas City down, but can if they can just make it like twenty four points that they allow, twenty seven points right. instead yeah. of thirty five to forty. You get a middle of the road defense. Short. Then if you just do that, because again, I want to remind people of how stats work in the NFL because we get. Uh, in college, we think about higher scoring games and that sort of thing. So the highest scoring team last year, I, I'm sure you'll be absolutely shocked to know, was Kansas City last year. Surprise, okay, surprise. And Kansas City uh, scored about 29 points a game. Uh, Detroit was fourth for the record. But the lowest scoring team was the uh, – let me double-check this, actually. I think it was Arizona. Probably. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising. Uh, no, it was – I'm sorry, it was Denver. Oh, Denver? It was Denver oh, at 16.9. Yeah, so they were bad. But ultimately, <laughs> bad on offense. That's that's a difference. So here's my point: the highest scoring league, team in the league, 29 points a game. The lowest scoring, 17. 
you're operating under 11 to 12 point space for the right. entire league because a there's 32 teams but b they're also all professionals okay and, and the timing and all of that so when we think about what constitutes a good defense and a bad defense it's really a matter of one touchdown a game it really is will become the difference if you look defensively the number one team last year was San Francisco. Francisco yep. 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 Really Six, good. 16.3 points a game. Dead last at 27.2 was Chicago. So that's an 11 point difference. 11 points separated the very best statistically, uh, the points a game defense to last place. So Detroit came in last year at 28th, 25.1 points a game. So can you move it to 21? Because if you move it to 21, then you would uh, move past Denver, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, and that would be about 11th in the NFL. If they can get to like 11th in the Mm -hmm. NFL, then I agree with you guys, the ceiling's there. All right, so NFC, let's go east. NFC East is going to be a pretty good division. You got Philadelphia, really good. Dallas, still no reason they can't be good. Washington's in transition mode with St. Powell. Not, I don't think they did good. go eight, eight, and one last yeah. year. The people people write good. Washington off pretty quick, but they still found a way to be five hundred last really? year. Ron Rivera, uh, solid head coach, and then Giants, pretty good too. But they've got some Saquon drama. If, if they don't calm the drama down, it could go a certain way. So, how do you think about the NFC East? Um, I, I still have Philadelphia winning. It's, it's Philadelphia yeah, is I, I for the I think I've got Philadelphia winning for sure. Dallas will make it interesting, though. I feel like they. I I think. You know, they've got some new weapons. They've kind of revamped now their running game. Zeke's gone. It's going to be Tony Pollard's show, and I think that's going to add some real real um, dimensions to their offense now that he's consistently getting the touches. Um, I think I think Dallas will be fun to watch on, on offense because now, um, you know, I think they're, off, they're offensive coordinators now with the Chargers, if I remember Kellen Moore. I think he's gone now um yeah no they they i think they agreed to part ways right right. agreed to part ways um the giants will be interesting like you said the saquon drama i i mean if if the giants don't have saquon that offense doesn't go In, in all honestly in all honesty because he makes everything open up for everybody else he makes daniel jones life easier gives him the ability to run the ball like he can do which makes you know which which makes daniel jones as dynamic as he can tend to be sometimes um you know the wide receivers are kind of an issue with with the giants but they added darren waller um so that'll be a receiving option um if he can get back to the form that he used to be a couple years ago um the giants the defense again is another thing that could could be interesting for them um here and there they they had some good spurts you know but they weren't consistent um, so that'll be something to watch. And then with the commanders, they have Sam Howell, new quarterback. So that'll be something to look for, but they have plenty of receiving options. Jahan Dotson, Terry McLaurin, if he can, you know, get back to healthy and get back to being healthy. I know he got injured in the preseason. Um, but you know, their defense will, will be pretty decent as well. Um, if, if Chase Young can get back to his form and being healthy. Um, so that, that's kind of where I see it. Philadelphia kind of kind of winning uh winning the division dallas probably coming second still probably will get a playoff spot for dallas though i think i could see that um the giants finishing third in the division they'll try but i just don't think it'll be enough yet and then with the commanders you know coming in kind of rounding out the division last place tom what do you think yeah i i think that's one of those eagles are going to run away with that division everybody else kind of behind them i i 
uh, you know, the, between the Cowboys and the Giants, I think I would have to give Cowboys the edge there. Uh, then I think it's going to be the Giants and then the Commanders in that order. Um, Eagles are just going to be good. Uh, they they may repeat again. Uh, I think a lot of people have predicted that. So I think they run away with that. The rest of that is just kind of what it is. But, you know, uh, Cowboys are going to have some weapons. It just depends on what Dak Prescott does. That that, that team will go as far as Dak Prescott yeah, plays well. If he doesn't play well, then that team's a disaster. Sure. If he's good, then they can compete. I have no problem getting a little bit of confident confidence in Dallas in the regular season, but uh, postseason is a whole different season for them. And so I think they'll be a playoff team. I think they'll win double-digit games. Uh, I don't think they will seriously contend with Philly just because I think Philly, uh, their offensive line is so good. Jalen Hurts is really good. They've got a really good – I don't know if enough people are talking about their one-two punch. A.J. Brown, Devontae oh, Smith is gosh. an excellent one-two wide receiver one punch. One B, Dallas Goddard's pretty good tight end. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got every reason in the world they should be one of the best three to five offenses in the And NFL. then they have they added DeAndre Swift. Yeah. I mean, position. really, I, I, five would be a little just underwhelming. I think they could be – I think they should be a top three offense yeah. in the NFL yeah. this year. Defensively, they're fine. Uh, they, they will regress a little bit. They were they were pretty damn good last year, and they D-line set the world nasty. on fire with yeah. sacks. They had something like seventy sacks, yeah. and the next team was like fifty or fifty four. Yep. They won't produce like that again. I, I mean, they might be towards the top of the league, but there will be some regression there because that was an otherworldly uh, turnout last year. So I, I think they'll regress in that way. Some people worry about the Super Bowl loser hangover. You didn't really see it with Cincinnati last year. Cincinnati was completely competent. And you didn't really see it with San Francisco the year before that. I thought they were still pretty competent after losing to Kansas City. Or excuse me, I guess the year before that was Kansas City. They were still really good after losing to Tampa and then San Francisco to Kansas City, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's not been true the last three to four years. So I think that – I, I, don't, I don't think that's a real thing for them. I yeah. think they're too good to be hungover. Uh, and honestly, I think the hangover would be more for a team that actually won the Super Bowl than lost it because I think you're just hungry if Agreed. you come that close. So I, I'm not worried with Philly. I'm fascinated, personal bias, fascinated in Sam Howell yeah. of Washington. The fact that they went 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one last year with Carson Wentz makes me think they can still go 500. I do not think they'll make the playoffs, but uh, – they do. I, I think people kind of write them off, but they don't realize that there's three or four other teams in the NFC that are just going to be putrid, uh, and that even though it is a tough division, the outside of that division, I think they can make some hay. They do have an opportunity with the Giants because I'm not sold if that's going to work. I don't. Daniel Jones to me is still an average, slightly above average NFL quarterback. Well, they're locked into. I, him, I know so. they're paying him like he's <laughs> the reincarnated Peyton Manning or something. Yeah. I like. I, I know, but. That doesn't. You're not. You not are what you paid are yeah. getting paid necessarily. So, I think that the Giants could be the team that could be surprising people from a positive or a negative standpoint in that division. All right, NFC West. We're save our division for the for the end here. NFC West. South. This, this is. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. West. I said. I said we'll save our division for last. Oh, okay. So okay. yeah. So we're on to the NFC West. Uh, so uh, in the, our, oh, car, our, we haven't talked about the okay. NFC West yet. I yeah. I mentioned uh, the NFC West. That's only yeah. me. My bad. My <laughs> right, apologies. Well, so let's go ahead and just say this: the Cardinals are going to be garbage. They're, <laughs> they are trying to get Caleb Williams. Yep. They they started tanking last year. It's like they're going to be terrible. They 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 are going to try to be the get the number See, one draft pick. I know, they're going to be I, awful. I'm just not 100 percent sold that they're going to get 
and going to go after Caleb Williams because they still have Kyler Murray and they paid Kyler Murray. Yeah. So I I get that he got injured and he tore his ACL, but that doesn't make him any less of a dynamic quarterback than he that he is, you know. Right. So I don't I'm not a completely sold that they're gonna go for um that they're going to go for Caleb Williams, I can definitely see them trading out of that number one spot and gaining assets and and kind of going about it that way. Um, yeah, but I mean, I still think they're going to be the worst team in the in the division, yeah. but and you know probably the worst team in the NFL. But again, I, I I'm not completely sold that they're going to use that number one pick to get Caleb Williams, and they may not. But but either way, they're going to be hot garbage. Yeah, they're going to they're, they're be they, bad. They will be bad this year. First year head coach defense is, eh. yeah. This is another one of those. I think the 49ers run away with it. I think the 49ers are just so loaded that it's going to take an implosion for them to yeah. not win that division. The Seahawks are. are they're going to be okay, but they're still maybe a year or two away from actually being able to get to that level. And then the Rams are just uh, – the Rams are going to be about old. as middle of the pack to bad as you can they're be. Just, they're just in cap purgatory right now. Sure. They went for it. They got it. and Yeah. Now they're, now they're the dealing tax, with it, yeah. which is fine. I mean, uh, if, you know, if you're Sean McVay, if you're you know the organization, I think they're fine with it because yeah. they got a Super Bowl out of right. it. So <laughs> it is what it is, uh, and you, you're, you're now just, you're just dealing with the consequences. You just got to get back. At least yeah. they have their 2024 first-round pick this year. Yeah. But you're, you're legitimately looking at the 49ers could be the NFC division champion this year. I mean, that that is a you know very good possibility. Their defense is going to be just stupid good again. Uh they just signed. They just signed uh, Bosa to a stupid contract. They're going to be good. Question at quarterback: who, yeah. Who's it going to be? I mean, that's what everybody's wondering. But outside of the QB, you know, running backs fine, wide receivers are fine. I mean, they they're loaded. Uh, just got to figure out who's going to be taking the snaps. So, I mean, they're just much. They're just that much better than the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Cardinals. That that's another one. I think they run away with it. Uh, honestly, I think the 49ers are. I I, I kind of want to compare them with the Eagles and see. It's definitely going to be either them or the Eagles. Yeah. In the NFC this year, I I, I firmly believe that. Uh, so it'll be curious to see. But I, in in that West, it's going to be the 49ers, and then everybody else just kind of picking up the crumbs. Gosh, I was looking for a stat that had something with the uh, with the 49ers and all the guys that they're paying and and how they have like some of the highest paid at their position at almost every position on the defense. Uh, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. But they've invested a lot of money into this team. They've drafted really smart, uh, really really well. Uh, made the moves that they needed to make when a guy Christian McCaffrey, like you said, Tom, it's going to come to that quarterback position. I think Kyle Shanahan runs a system that's very quarterback friendly uh when you have all the weapons around you like they do you can't really fail it's really hard to fail um and they'll they'll absolutely be able to put up points and and stop you know stop teams so that's going to be where it's just gonna i mean they're they're one of the best teams in the nfc so if not the best second best like you said tom behind behind the eagles that's that's really a one-two right there at the top so um yeah it'll be the 49ers division to lose the seahawks could be decent maybe they'll slide into a, a playoff berth um you know one of those wild card spots if if they can if they can stop some people if they can get a defense but other than that uh it, it'll be the 49ers that'll win the division yeah again i i think that what will 
decide if they could win the Super Super Bowl or not is what Brock Purdy is as a quarterback in this league. If he's healthy, there's still some concerns out of preseason with the arm strength of it, and and so that's going to be something to watch. But they could run 35 to 40 times a game, get like 120 passing yards, and they should still be able to win double digit games. Yeah, I mean, I mean if, if they that's win. how good the defense is. I mean, the rest of their team is set up to win the Super Bowl. They just, they just need the quarterback play. Uh, Sam Darnold, 13 wins. <laughs> I mean, Darnold's the backup, and if, if Purdy ends up not healthy this year, we, we might see him again. Uh, Seattle, great story last year with Geno Smith. Kudos to Pete Carroll for sticking around. He's like 73, 72, and <laughs> yeah, right. he's a part of a rebuild, and they're rebuilding it pretty quickly. Hopefully they can win just that extra game this year to get in the playoffs. But I, I don't see why they can't because the Cardinals are going to be bad. There is the thought that once Kyler Murray comes back middle of the season, you know he might be able to get them a couple wins. Uh but it's going to be a conflict of interest at that point. They're going to be like one and eight or something, yeah. and then he's going to be coming back, and he might be playing for his job. It depends on who you ask. Uh, so he needs to play well in that respect, but also the Cardinals will be like, nope, don't want to lose the first or second pick. Nope, nope. Uh, so that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see. The only time the Cardinals will be worth watching is when Murray comes back, if and when he comes back, and then how they play around him for those few weeks. Right. Uh, the Rams are it, it just don't have a great outlook. They're older. Cooper Cup's already banged up, which is a very ominous for the he's season. Not playing. Uh, yeah, Aaron Donald probably should have just retired because he's going to be a really good defensive lineman, or he should have gone somewhere else. But I mean, he's going to be kind of the one good thing they have, and hopefully nothing happens to him. But yeah, right. Stafford's getting old. He's hurt, been hurt a lot in his career. Cup's not there. I, I trust that Sean McVay will win them a game or two, but they're not going to be a playoff team this year. All right, NFC South. All right, we well, have well, dogs let, in the fight. Well, let, let's talk about the other teams because I know we're going to talk about the Falcons, and, and I know that's a, a big thing. But if you kind of go through and look at all of them, you like the Bucks, you like the Falcons. We'll talk about the Panthers first. They almost made it. They almost uh, – almost, won the division last year which is crazy but yeah they had a, a three-score yeah, lead close. on tampa bay yeah yep. um we're getting close yeah so but i don't think they're going to compete uh, i mean i just I, I don't think they're going to be as good as the two teams yeah. at the top that we're going to talk about and, and then the saints are going to be up there near the top they're uh i think it's going to be saints falcons up towards the top of that battling it out uh We'll just see if Derek Carr is going to be the savior in New Orleans. That's a weird thing to think about, but is Derek Carr going to be the quarterback for them yeah. that can get them to the promised land? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then the Buccaneers, I mean, Baker Mayfields are going to be their starting quarterback. I mean. Yeah, led the Browns to the playoffs. What are you saying? <laughs> it's Baker Mayfield. Hold it up, Ryan. Respect. Yeah, what are you saying about it? Baker Mayfield's the terrible. The Browns haven't made the playoffs in like 15 years. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's that boy terrible. Is going to so if that's all you have to have, that's team. not good enough. They, they, I will say this: the Buccaneers <laughs> are the Buccaneers are going to have a very, very good defense. Yes, their de- their defense will be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, offensive wise, I, ultimately, I agree with you, but I just wanted I to, love, to say more I, than I just love that. you, Ryan. I I like that. I like this. I'm I'm actually. Uh, uh, the, this one story that I was looking at, it was like previewing some of these teams. It says why the Buccaneers could be last in the division 
Baker Mayfield sucks. Like he really, <sighs> really sucks. <laughs> that's all. That's what it says. Yeah, that's that's rough. that's why the Buccaneers if you replace that with Todd Bowles. I would not fight you. I <laughs> yeah. would hug you and say, "Good job, I, man." I um, think that's where the yeah. true issue lies. Yeah, with their, their defense is going to be really good. Yeah, I, if, if, if Baker Mayfield turns into a good quarterback, there's some weapons there. Um, they've yeah. still got some weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Yeah. They've they've got weapons. Uh, the Falcons are going to be interesting. Um, I I really like uh, bringing in Bijan Robinson to to add with Pitts. Is Desmond Ritter going to be the guy that can get it done? That's that's going to be the big question. They they have they have definitely loaded up with the offensive weapons. Their defense should be fine. Is Desmond Ritter going to be the guy that can get Atlanta over the hump? Because I when I look at it. I would take Derek Carr with the Saints over Desmond Ritter, and I think that could be the difference between the Saints winning the division and the Falcons winning the division is just strictly the quarterback play. And it's weird that you would say that about Derek Carr, but Desmond Ritter was not very good last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on a small sample size, and I wouldn't say he was bad by any means. Right. I think he just – I mean, he went 2-2, two and two, no interceptions, uh, threw two, two touchdowns, but – uh, I think he did have a fumble, but you know, overall the team just kind of struggled as a whole. He didn't even have Kyle Pitts; did not play with Kyle Pitts right. at all whatsoever. But I'll get into the Falcons a little bit more in a second. Six point two yards per pass. Yeah, so, so like yeah, I mean, it, like it, I said, he's it, not stretching. Yeah, You're relying but on it, development, but, it, yeah, they, but he was young, sure. so yeah. he could it, absolutely. With the Panthers, it'll be they'll be interesting because obviously they bring they brought in you know Bryce Young, yep. and that's obviously going to be their franchise quarterback. Um, their receiving core is pretty banged up, and it, it's kind of a middle of the road receiving core. You signed uh, uh, Adam Thielen from from Minnesota, and you have DJ Chark, and uh, I think you have uh, uh, Lavisca Chenault, kind of yeah. guys like that. Some guys that you yeah. like, like as yeah. a third yeah, guy, yeah, exactly. but guys you don't love, yeah. but you know you can you can put a little something together. Okay, um, you know, solid run game signed Miles Sanders from from uh, Philly, and and so he'll he'll be your toting running back. Um, it's the defense that's really going to be pretty solid. I've I've actually liked Carolina's defense for a couple years now. Uh, I think they've got plenty of talent. You have J.C. Horn on the court as a corner. Um, you know Derek Brown, obviously War Eagle. You know I, I mean plenty of guys on the line. Linebackers they have an absolute freak. Even though he's going through a uh, a, a contract dispute right now with the team, Brian Burns extremely talented uh, uh, linebacker. Uh, and he's he's going to be somebody he's going to get paid eventually um but he might be he might be sitting out the first game of the season because of of all of this uh so the defense is hopefully going to take that next step uh if you're uh if you're carolina and then you just kind of want to see how your offense pans out you know frank reich new head coach uh so it, it'll be interesting to see how how he kind of develops bryce and kind of how that moves moves and, and works they have to get the offensive line fixed that's what i was their, gonna, their offensive yeah, that's line, a bad offensive is line. bad yeah. bad it's like you you, you you figure they would have gotten that straightened out after mm-hmm. the disastrous lines they had with cam newton a small quarterback and a bad offensive line are an absolutely yeah. it's an it's a it's a terrible terrible well it's not even just small quarterback rookie yeah. quarterback you, you're, you're, yeah you're I mean, putting a rookie quarterback back there in behind the line yeah. that can't protect him so it's, uh, it's, mm. Bryce is going to have to rely on some smarts and some uh, and a little bit of his his little savvy athleticism that he can play with, and and other than that, but I, I see Carolina as finishing 
It'll be kind of a, a battle between third and fourth. I think I have them finishing last, but if their defense is, is pretty good, then they might be able to finish third. Um, and and that's kind of where I see Carolina at. Um, with Tampa Bay, you know, Baker Mayfield is, in my mind, I see Baker as a transition quarterback. You know, I, I think I think that the the Bucks are going to be in play for one of these top quarterbacks coming out next year. Uh, the defense will be solid. You have plenty of weapons. You got to work out the situation with Mike Evans so you can keep him a buck for life um, and get him paid in this last contract and have a true staple at that wide receiver position. Um, but other than that, you know, they're, they're just going to have to kind of tread water. This is just one of those seasons where you're just going to have to tread water if you can win some games. I don't see them making the playoffs or winning the division by any means, but like a, you know, like a, a five-win, six-win team, something along the lines of that, I think, is what Tampa Bay is going to be. And uh, they'll, they'll get a quarterback next year and, and see how that plays out. So we're going to go to our hour breakdown because we are out of time. But on the other side of the 5 o'clock hour, Cam will preview the Saints and the, the Falcons as the two front runners uh, for the NFC South. Uh, I will have my NFC South thoughts, uh, which are not that. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> I was just, I was just, you're going to preview the Buccaneers. The NFC South. And the Buccaneers. The, the Buccaneers are part of the NFC South I know. division, the <laughs> NFC Conference. I know. That's your team. Uh, so, we all know. Uh, so what What if I come back with straight Panthers talk? Baker Mayfield sucks. Like, he yeah. really, really sucks. Derek Brown's really good <laughs> uh, for the Panthers. Anyway, we're out of time for hour number two. In hour number three, uh, we will get to the Sports Call 5 at 5, get to Joe Barnell at 515, finish previewing the NFC South, and get a word or two in from Tom and Cam at the end of the show about Auburn and Cal. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, hour number three getting underway right now. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you. T.P. Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line this afternoon. Coming up at 5.15, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire, so that's just in a few minutes. And uh, we've also got the Sports Call at 5 at 5. Real quickly, I'll zoom through it. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also investment time with your family and friends. 
and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you are looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. For the Sports Call 5 at 5, we'll keep it NFL-related with five storylines to look out for in the NFC. We start off with... Number one. That is, can the Philadelphia Eagles return to the Super Bowl this year when the NFC again? Can Jalen Hurts and company have another big year? Number two. Can the Dallas Cowboys accomplish something meaningful in the playoffs? Cowboys continue year after year. Be pretty competent in the regular season and dramatically fail in the postseason. What can uh, Dallas do for you in the month of January this year? Number three. Out west, the San Francisco 49ers. Is Brock Purdy really the answer? The 49ers have a team good enough to win a Super Bowl, roster-wise and coach-wise. Can they get a quarterback? Can Brock Purdy be their answer here in 2023? Number four. In the NFC North division, is it time for Lions pride there with Dan Campbell and company? The Lions had a surprisingly good season last year. They developed a lot in the second year under Campbell and got to nine wins, had a really good offense. Can the defense step up enough to give Detroit a playoff berth, something they've been seeking for quite some time now? Number five. And last up in the NFC South, we'll stick it with our team that we cover here on Tiger 95.9. Can the Atlanta Falcons have a front-running season for the NFC South? Falcons took B. John Robinson in the first round and have a stable of running backs and position players that are really, really good. Is it Atlanta's time to take back control of the NFC South? And with that, we let Cam here complete oh. his review nice. of the South. Yeah, I know you had not gotten to Saints and Falcons. You were going through each team here. <laughs> Uh, so, Saints-Falcons for the division. How does it play out? So, uh, I, I, I do have the Falcons winning the division, um, not by many, many games. Uh, I do think that the Saints and, Fal- and Falcons are the top two in the division. The Saints are going to be interesting. I'm, I'm not very high on Dennis Allen. I don't think he's a great head coach. Um, I see you agree, Ryan. Uh, see. But, but – they will get an upgrade in quarterback play with Derek Carr. That's very clear and obvious. Uh, it, I think it'll just come down to the situational coaching because I think they will be in plenty of clo- close games, and I don't think that Dennis Allen is going to be great with with in those situations. Um, but they do have you know talented running backs. They signed Jamal Jamal Williams. They sign um, they they all will be missing. Alvin Kamara for I think three four games three games the blues three. Um, so so you know with with all his legal trouble but he'll be back after three games and and that'll be another weapon for Derek Carr to be able to use you know they bring back Michael Thomas however long he decides to stay healthy you have Chris Olave who is an extremely talented wide receiver uh, he, he showed that probably probably should have gotten more hype in in the rookie of the year than he did. Um, because he was he was pretty good. I think he ended up being a, a thousand yard receiver, and and in your rookie year, that's definitely something to applaud. Um, 
And then they have a plethora of other guys kind of as that third option, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. The defense is always going to be good. That's where the Saints kind of have seemed to have hang, hung their hats on the last few years. Um, and, and so if that offense can kind of catch up with them, then they'll they'll be a solid team. I don't think that they'll win the division, but I do I do think they'll be, you know, an, 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 a nine-win team. I, I think that'll be kind of where they'll end up. Lastly, with the Falcons, my team, I saved, the, saved them for last. Um, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, Tom was right. It's, it's going to be a matter of if Desmond Ritter can put it all together. It's going to be if he's going to be able to manage the system because I thought the, the off – I mean, to put it this way, Arthur Smith won seven games with Marcus Mariota last year, and he couldn't throw the ball. If Desmond Ritter can just throw the ball and be accurate and be decent, this offense could be pretty dang good. Um, you have a lot of weapons. You have Kyle Pitts. You have Drake London. You have Cordero Patterson, who's in the joker position. He's going to be in the both the running back room and the wide receiver room. Um, and then he's still going to be returning kicks and punts and all that. Um you, you, you have B. John Robinson, who's who's going to be kind of all over the place as well, kind of in the slot, going to be able to, obviously he's going to be mainly in the backfield. And then you have Tyler Algier as well as, as your running game. The offensive line will definitely, I think, continue to be solid. Last year that was um, something that was one of the better units in the league. Uh, so if they can just continue that, then they'll, they'll have, you know, the solid run game that they had last year, which was a top five run game in the NFL. Um, so I have, I have them as a 10 win team, 11. If it's really good, if they're, if they win a game that they are not supposed to, um, the defense is much improved. That was something that was an issue all last season, but they went out and spent almost all of their money on defense. Um, you know, signing Jesse Bates, bringing in David Onyemata, Calais Campbell on the defensive line to help out Grady Jarrett. Those guys, Keaton, uh, Keaton Ellis uh, from the Saints, actually, um, to, to help with Troy Anderson and, and that linebacker core. Hopefully Troy Anderson takes a step forward. You already have A.J. Terrell. And then um, Jeff Okuda, who you traded for from the Lions. If you can bring in Jeff, then um, you know once he's healthy, it'll be interesting. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it it'll be a fun division to watch. I'm gonna watch as many games as I possibly can as a Falcons fan. Um, so we'll we'll just have to see. But uh, yeah, that's kind of where I have the Falcon or have the division laid out. I had the Falcons finishing first with ten wins, maybe eleven. Saints about nine wins. Carolina and 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 the the Buccaneers down at the bottom. All right, we have time for just a moment or two before we get to Joe Barnell at 515 to go to the orthopedic clinic phone line. Next up, Keith from Auburn. We've got Keith. Keith, again, we got a call coming up here in a couple minutes, but uh, glad to talk to you for just a moment. How are you this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing great. Hope y'all are all doing well. Uh, also, hey, yeah, real quick, uh, I, I meant to call in yesterday, but I didn't get a chance. But uh, this... Uh, Colorado hype and uh, the Deion Sanders hype. Uh, don't get me wrong. I think it, it's great for college football. I, I mean, I, I, you know, you got to give Deion credit for what he's doing. Uh, but the media and how they t- look at things, guys, Colorado's not the 21st best football team in the country. I mean, they won one ball game last year. They beat a pretty bad TCU football team, okay? You couldn't catch a cold out there trying to tackle anybody. Uh, I, I think Colorado 
it's, it's going to be already is much improved. Uh, you know, they, I, th- I don't think they get over 500. I, I think the Nebraska game this week, uh, this weekend is going to be a close ball game. Nebraska's physical. They're going to run the football. Uh, they'll probably keep a lot of the clock running. And if, if you keep that offense setting over on the sideline, it's hard for, for them to uh, to do what they did. Travis Hunter, a beast. Should, his son, the quarterback, outstanding game. But he's not going to throw 500 yards every game. Uh, and, and, you know, they moved him around in the pocket and got the ball out quick. So, you know, great job by the coaches to coach. Uh, they know what their weaknesses are. But I see this team at best 500. I, I, I don't see them any better. Uh, I really think Nebraska beats them this week uh, in, in Boulder. I know it's going to be crazy there. Uh, but, I mean, I tip my hat to Dion and everything he, he's doing with that program. And it's really, really great for college uh, football. And anyway, guys, I'll hang up and listen to your comments on that. I know you're getting close to your call. But I appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir, absolutely, Keith. We appreciate your phone call. That's Keith from Auburn joining us. On the Auburn Bank phone, or excuse me, on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. I'm going to do that once a show, at least a week. Uh, we'll get it out of my system. But uh, yeah, no, I think that I, I said a little bit of this. I, I still think they're going to make a bowl game. I still think they'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, the media does absolutely have a tendency to overblow things. Uh, and and I don't want them to overhype this to where it becomes not fun and to where we're having a back and forth each week on I told you so or I told you so because the reality is they were a one win team last year they were terrible uh, and Dion's already made them better and they are worth talking about I don't know what the the actual number will be for them this year I think they will win some games like I said I think they'll go to a bowl game do they end up in the top twenty five all year long I don't know. Uh, I haven't really begun to wrap my head around how the whole year is going to go for them. Right. Uh, but I do know that it's a lot of fun, and I do agree. I don't want anyone, any media or anything, to overhype it or overdo it to the point where it feels like it's not fun or, or kind of attack that part of it. Because, again, if you can make a one-win team last year fun the very next year, you're already inherently accomplishing something no matter what the end, uh, end of the record uh, is. So at the very least, even they end up 6-6, six and 7-5, six, 5-7, seven, five, five and seven, eight, what, what Whatever, whatever in that range, eight and four. There's a lot of six and seven win teams out there that are going to be far less fun than that. I mentioned this program that day. I'm going to mention me in Iowa is going to win too many games this year. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be awful to watch. They're not fun, but at least Colorado, whatever they end up doing this year, will be fun. We're going to take our next time out. As promised, Joe Bartle of Roto Wire coming up next. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Like us on Facebook at SportsCallAU.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. And we are now pleased to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we welcome on Joe Bartle of RotoWire, our second week speaking with Joe. About to be the first week of NFL action. Joe, very exciting times. How are you this afternoon? I'm, I'm doing great. We're less than a day out now, right? Or I guess a little bit more, like 26 hours until real NFL football. It's exciting. Exciting times. Absolutely, and now most people should have had a draft unless you were absolutely putting it on to, off to the last second and drafting tonight. I know some of my buddies drafted earlier this week, including some people in this room. Yeah. Uh, they got a rude surprise after practice earlier this week with Travis Kelsey, Joe. Uh, I, I would think that Kelsey might miss this week one, but if you're a fancy owner of Travis Kelsey, uh, how nervous are you that this might uh, span a, a little longer period of time? Isn't this what the uh, wait to draft until after uh, preseason nerds always tell us? Right. <laughs> that exact thing is uh, not supposed to happen, and that's why you guys are dumb for drafting this uh, drafting early. No, it's, injuries can happen at any point. I would be very concerned, uh, and it really stinks. I've seen a, a number of builds that have Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup, and Jonathan Taylor, and that uh, trio of guys is probably like the least you want a roster entering a season right now, and it's entirely possible you have all three. I would anticipate he doesn't play Thursday. Um, given the information that we know right now, I would assume it's going to be more than just a week-long injury as well. Like If you're looking at the Chiefs and trying to repeat again uh, and continue your dynasty, you really don't want to risk the most vital part of your passing offense. Uh, and I would anticipate that Kelsey's going to miss, if not, if not two weeks, even longer than that. And so with the injury to Travis Kelsey, and obviously, we know he's a he's a he gets a lot of targets from Mahomes. Where do you think that, um, in terms of fantasy value, who do you think you can look for now that might be able to pick up some of Kelsey's slack? Yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see what that answer is come tomorrow because I'm not quite sure. I know I don't think it's Noah Gray. I don't think it's an easy one for one replacement. Go ahead and uh, pick him up off the agency. I don't think it works that way uh, in this Chiefs offense. I don't know if Kadarius Tony plays. I'm not sure he's the guy that gets the bulk workload anyway uh and i was surprised that there were reports yesterday about justin watson uh playing more than justin ross and rasheed rice who would have been my my next guess in terms of guys over the middle so uh, it's going to be a collective effort i'm not sure there's maybe uh, that you would say hey this guy you pick up now that kelsey's out it might just be that mahomes is a little less valuable but I go back to the fact that the Lions secondary really wasn't all that good last year. I know they made some improvements during the offseason, uh, but this should be a, a good matchup, and it'll be a shame if uh, a top-tier Mahomes game is wasted because his top assets could be out, and this might be someone that people who draft Mahomes have to deal with for the next couple of weeks too because I, I don't know if there's just a obvious answer or fill-in uh, if and when Kelsey's eventually ruled out. Joe, when we look at some teams with dynamic receiving cores or at least dynamic duo receiving cores, I think of someone like Miami with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and, and just how, A, lightning quick that duo is, but, B, how they both seem to thrive at various times last year. Are you confident that both those guys will be able to kind of reach their max outcome in terms of production this year? Oh, yeah. I think all three and the other one, uh, well, the other one of that group is Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And I would include uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in that equation. I think all three of those uh, duos are, are really, really strong receivers. And situationally, obviously, the Buccaneers one looks a lot worse. But, yeah, I have no issues. Um, provide Jalen Waddell's healthy, right? That's that's kind of the issue that we're 
entering uh, week one with was whether or not Waddle will be ready to go. It sounds like he will. I'm not too concerned about it, but uh, it's more is Tua going to stay healthy. And my reservation last year was I didn't think Tua's arm strength or lack thereof would be able to cater to Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Well, that was completely wrong. They absolutely were able to uh, take advantage of that. So that concern was the only concern, and that's gone now. So I'm I'm confident. Uh, I've been drafting Jalen Waddle. I think I have. I, I did the final tally of my 15 leagues. I have Waddle in four of them, uh, and I you know a few are dynasty related, but I was specifically targeting Waddle in a few of those scenarios. And I have a few shares of Tyree Kill when I was drafting at the six seven spot, and uh, I felt very confident about him too. So there's no issues for me on really any of those dynamic duos, especially the Dolphins. Joe, do you see any rookie wide receivers having a high immediate impact this season? Yeah, my top one has been Jordan Addison, and actually for a long time that was my guy. Like, who who are you riding or dying with this year? Who, who am I recommending? It was always the Jordan Addison answer. And then I looked at my roster, and I only had him on three of my 15 teams. I'm like, wait a minute, I love Jordan Addison this year. I made a mistake, and a lot of the times you're either drafting a, a quarterback around that spot or a tight end around that spot, and I just never – reached high enough on Jordan Asa, but he is like far and away, I think, my top rookie receiver. Jackson Smith, Jigba, uh, looks like he might be actually able to play week one against the Rams. I'm, I'm pretty convinced so long as Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are healthy, that's not going to matter too much. Uh, Zay Flowers, you know, lightning quick. I need to see what that Ravens offense looks like. And they have a lot of guys that, uh, especially early on, I think Zay Flowers is going to take some time to get used to and uh, assimilate into the offense. So, no, to me, it's Jordan Addison who clearly walks right into the Adam Thielen role. I don't care much about K.J. Asborn at all, and I think uh, if the Vikings are intent on actually being efficient offensively, which they should because their defense stinks, they need to have Jordan Addison. He was a guy that I would be very comfortable drafting the sixth round and operating as my water receiver three or two even. Talking to Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire today on Sports Call. Joe, I've got a t- another tight end question for you, which I did not expect to have, but uh, with New York and with Darren Waller, I-, I looked at tight ends available when my buddy was doing a draft the other night, and I found like it felt like a little bit of a changing the guard or some of the relevant tight ends, but one of the older guys still out there is Darren Waller. I know a lot of injuries in Vegas. He goes to a New York team, though, that doesn't necessarily have – a huge go-to weapon, or at least not not the same type of guys we just talked about, like in Miami, Cincinnati, etc. What what is Darren Waller's upside in New York? Yeah, I would imagine that's probably most people's favorite riser uh, throughout the draft process. And you know, we, we the experts you know, are looking at this ADP from February onward. But I think people, when they're really starting to pay attention, it's mid-May, end of May, into June and July. And I think Darren Waller's ADP at that point to what it is now, which is pretty comfortably in the fifth round, has been almost a two- or three-round rise. And he has been now uh, past Mark Andrews. I mean, I've seen Darren Waller taken as tight end three. And I would be certain if people really want to uh, make use of some social media poll, they would take Darren Waller before Mark Andrews. That's the level of hysteria that I'm getting. I'm not there yet. Um, I know that Darren Waller a couple of years ago was great. Um, and we have since had issues with his contract. He was quite healthy. I'm not convinced Daniel Jones is that good. I, I really do believe in Brian Dable, the coach for the Giants, and taking advantage of the talent that he has. But it doesn't. It, we had four years of Daniel Jones stinking, and just one year of a good coach completely changes it. I'm not convinced that's going to be the case. And I actually think defenses now have a lot of tape out on Daniel Jones and are going to make him play sidelines, you know, like throwing deep pass on the sideline, take away the middle of the field, take away his rushing options. I know it sounds simple, and it's going to be simpler than it actually is, 
but I think Darren Waller actually is one of those biggest trap guys, and uh, given his current ADP, no one is on board with that, but I'm, I'm very, very hesitant to say he is going to be a top tight end. Out west with one of the one I would say the biggest disappointment last year, at least offensively, Russell Wilson in Denver. Uh, is Sean Payton going to turn that around for Denver? Is is Russell Wilson too far gone, or do you believe Payton will get something out of him this year? Yeah, I'm not convinced Sean Payton is that good of a coach either. So this is going to be a really interesting uh, narrative push. Is Russ done, or is Sean Payton not that good? The answer just might be both. From a fantasy perspective, it doesn't really matter. Russell Wilson's being drafted outside the top 15 quarterbacks, and you look at Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins and even Anthony Richardson, who are on that fringe of starting QB1s in 12-team leagues, they're, they're going to produce to a point where I would rather have them consistently in my lineup. Even if Russell Wilson does get better, I don't think he runs as much as we saw during the peak years with the Seahawks, which is a lot of where his fantasy value kind of rested. So to me, the question isn't, is Russell Wilson going to do good, but is it going to be getting – the guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, even Marvin Mims involved. And I do think uh, Russell Wilson's going to be a good enough quarterback this season to make at least one of those guys viable. Now, Judy might not play week one, although uh, his practice report, I think he was a limited participant in practice, which is great. I'm still not anticipating he plays, but if he's trending closer than you know missing the first four games, which is kind of what I was thinking, that's awesome news uh, for Jerry Judy people and who rostered him. I think Cortland Sutton is, is not that bad. I understand that he does not look the same after the knee injury he had two years ago, but he's still a top-tier. Uh, he's a wide receiver one on, on I think, uh, the Broncos roster here. And Marvin Mims, um, we talked about rookie receivers. I love Jordan Addison. I think I probably forgot to include Mims in that equation, especially if Judy does miss time. I don't believe he's good enough to push out Judy or Sutton, but if there's a situation where Mims is playing and starting 12 games this year, he might be another one of those rookie receivers that's pretty easily a wide receiver three in fantasy. Joe, talk about the Detroit Lions offense. Do you think that they'll be as dynamic as they were last season? Do you think Jared Goff um, will be able to play at the level that he played last season? Do you think the addition of Jameer Gibbs will help that offense? How, how do you see the Lions playing out? Yeah, I'm not convinced uh, in the hype around the Lions. You know, Vegas favorites. To win the NFC North, I'm a Packers fan, so you could you could take some bias with that. Uh, and and again, I I don't know what the Packers are going to do this season. I'm pretty uh, concerned about Jordan Love, especially with both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs missing practice Wednesday. But the Lions' offense, I was very very reliant on their home and away splits with Jared Goff in the dome. They're doing a whole lot better uh, in cold weather situations. He's historically been really bad. I I'm not convinced. Uh, even though I love Ben Johnson, their offensive coordinator, and he should be. Then the next guy that gets one of those uh, 15 different offers as the head coach, like that's how good he is as a schematic play caller. Um, I'm I'm convinced that he's going to be kind of weighed down by the albatross that is Jared Goff and what he's able to do. So he's going right now around quarterback 18. That's probably fine. I mean, he produced at those numbers last year. And even if I think he goes a little bit less than that, you're saying uh, more or less that I'm going to St. Brown will be fine. I love Sam Laporta. I have him in uh, seven of my 15 leagues. Jameer Gibbs, from a pass-catching perspective, should still be a relevant option, too. So there's guys involved. But Jared Goff, uh, I, I'm just concerned, can't play better than what he did last, uh, last year. There's no level above for Jared Goff, and that makes me hesitant to be really invested overall in the Lions' offense. All right, Joe, we'll finish with this. And I know it's a little bit tougher week one because we don't know a lot about these teams. We're going off of presumptions, but that's why we asked the expert. So, Joe, 
give us a team base or give us a player, excuse me, based off his matchup that you like to have a better than average performance, and give us a player based off the matchup that you think might be a, a bench this week that have, might have a, a bad performance. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go with the Jacksonville squad overall. I know they play Indianapolis this week, and whether it be Etienne or Calvin Ridley uh, and Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence, all four of those guys, I feel really confident next year are going to be performing at a level in which that you think uh, is going to be a, a level above their fantasy performance, too. So I'm all in on Jacksonville's offense this year and certainly this week. I'm a little concerned about the 49ers. Uh, we're going to see Brock Purdy in, you would assume he's going to get better each and every week. But this is going to be the first week with that Tommy John injury playing against real NFL defenses. It has me, it has me concerned uh, about what the 49ers' offense can do. Well, Joe, we certainly appreciate the time today. How can our listeners find your work, and uh, what all do you have going on at RotoWire right now? Yeah, you can follow me on JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. Uh, I, I have a lot of different uh, audio things going out there. Every Tuesday, we have our RotoWire podcast. You can listen to the WaverWire part of it. Um, anywhere you listen to your podcast, RotoWire Fantasy Sports, every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. I'll be doing uh, Sirius XM as well on Channel 87. And now new, starting tomorrow, I'm going to be doing the over-under on every single NFL game, picking the spreads uh, and how I, I see everything going on. That will be on Twitter, but also on RotoWire's NFL section. So lots of different places and platforms uh, to view my content. Excellent. Well, Joe, as always, we greatly appreciate the time. We're very excited that football's back, and we're excited to talk about it all with you. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you again next week. I can't wait. Let's go. Football. Tomorrow. Absolutely. That's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us today on Sports Call. Certainly appreciate Joe right there. Here to keep it right here for just a second because, Tom, I know you've got to go, so we want to get two things out of you real quick. One, uh, we've got this read here yeah. uh, for 9-11 coming up next week. We know that this is important to you as a firefighter. Right. So tell us a little bit about what's going on next week. Uh, absolutely. On 9-11, 22 years ago, thousands of people were killed and injured in one of the worst terrorist attacks on our nation's history. Today, the anniversary of 9-11 has grown to become the largest day of service in America. We invite you to take part in this important national observance, along with millions of others and those of us at Tiger Communications, by joining together in the spirit of unity and spending time on September 11th volunteering, supporting charities, or performing simple good deeds that help others. Please visit 911day.org to find out what you can do. And so, uh, yeah, uh, 22 years ago, yeah. it's crazy to think, it, you know, TP sitting over here, he was like, I was in my mom's belly. And I'm like, yeah, I was, I, I was in college. I was in college waking up to go to class when all of this happened. I was and in kindergarten. Walking across campus and eerie silence and uh, just uh, it, a day that you'll never forget. And then, of course, years later, I joined the fire service. And, I mean, the amount of – New York City firefighters and police officers and medical people that, that lost their lives in that. That's a huge day in the fire service. Uh, it's a huge, uh, huge day for me. Uh, anybody that lived through that, whether you were there or just in the country and experiencing what happened that day, it's one of those that you'll never forget. It's one of those that you always will remember where you were at and what you were doing that day. And uh, it's one of those that keeps carrying on today with uh, with remembrances for for everybody that was lost and and the people that still suffer uh, today from the tragedies that happened that day 22 years ago. Absolutely. And then we get you out of here on this, yeah. Tom. Get uh, give us a quick Auburn Cal thought and what you're kind of looking forward to in that game. Uh, I'm looking for Auburn to fix some of the things that were broken in in the UMass game, and you know those are the things that Hugh Freeze talked about lining up correctly. 
just the, the small things get those ca- taken care of. I want to see more out of Peyton Thorne. I want to see more uh, accurate deep shots. And uh, I think he can do that. I think he's got that in him. But I want to see more of that. I want to see that offense get even more dynamic. So there's that. And then defensive-wise, stack the line, force them to pass. Uh, I think our secondary can hold its own. And so to prevent them from gashing you defensively, you know that's a problem area right there. You need to get it. You're going to have to get some more people up there at the line of scrimmage and, and really force them to do something special in the run game to get past that. So that's what I'm looking at. Uh, I think Auburn does come out on, on top of this one. I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I think Auburn ultimately wins it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that 38 to, you know, 38 to 32, 38, 30. Six, something like that. It's going to be a, a close game that's going to have everybody biting their fingernails. It's going to have uh, Wardam Steve running to the medicine cabinet. Uh, it's going to be one of those games. But uh, I, I, I really think Auburn comes out on top with this one. We're going to go to our final timeout of the show. Tom, thank you for being here today. Enjoy the Biscuits game Absolutely. tonight. Absolutely. Looking, looking forward to it. Butter up. Absolutely. We'll see you again next week. Again, one final segment of Sports Call. We'll be back. We'll get Cam's thoughts on Auburn Cal. I'll give my last thoughts on the NFC South. And we'll wrap things up on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger few minutes of sports call today tiger 95.9 the tiger.fm and the tiger communications app or if you're listening on the sports call podcast presented by coca-cola appreciate joe bartle of rotowire for stopping by for a segment there about uh, fantasy coming up again rotowire can be the uh, resource for all of your fantasy needs and uh, in just a second, going to Cam's take on the Auburn Cal game because he will not be with us on Friday. Wah, wah. Just got Tom Peavy's take. He is not with us usually on Thursdays, Fridays. Wah, wah. So we'll get to, <laughs> so we'll get to Auburn Cal here in just a second. I'll get my my thoughts real quick on the NFC South. We were previewing the NFC uh, today. Tomorrow we'll preview the AFC. I think the guys summed it up about how I feel too. I think there's two teams at the top and there's two teams fighting at the bottom. I think Carolina's offensive line is going to be really hard for them. To get over they're gonna get that get that boy killed yeah in uh, year one i think Seriously. i think bryce young can still be a pretty good nfl quarterback i just think he's gonna be running for his life this year they'll run it okay uh their weapons are fine but really a bunch of number twos and number threes adam thielen's not what he was anymore yeah. dita charge's oh. fun as a slot guy so they've got some stuff their defense will be really solid they've got some playmakers there they were kind of middle of the pack last year so functionally it didn't turn out into a great defense but i think the ingredients were there to be a pretty good defense yeah, I, so I think carolina hang around there uh, I think for Tampa Bay, I think roster-wise, unlike Carolina, I think ta- parts of Tampa's roster are best in 
envisioned. Parts of New Orleans and parts of Atlanta are, are best envisioned. I think Tampa's roster, they've still got eight returning starters from the Super Bowl team a yep. few years ago on defense. So uh, the defense should still be pretty good for Tampa. It's just what do you get out of offense? They hired a new offensive coordinator with Dave Canales. Uh, Baker Mayfield, obviously, last couple of years has not been really, to be honest with you, a starting NFL quarterback. You're hoping if you're Tampa that you get the Baker Mayfield of 2020, <laughs> uh, which was a 63% passer through for 3,600 yards, 26 TDs to eight picks. So it's somewhere within him. But the last few years, again, he's not played like a starting NFL quarterback. You still got Evans. You still got Godwin. You've got the players, again, roster wise, you can see a nine or 10 win roster. But quarterback, eh. Coach, oh, hell no. Todd Bowles is bad. <laughs> Todd Bowles is Todd bad. Bowles is bad. He's not good. And he is having worse than a mid-off with Dennis Allen, which I'll get to in just a second, the NFC South. So I think Tampa's about a five- or six-win team. Again, if, if if Todd Bowles is not this coach, if Bruce Arians is still coaching, I think they'd compete with the Saints and Falcons. But I just don't think that coaching-wise they've got it. So uh, I think that they're going to be pretty rough. They're also going to have a very fascinating decision uh, after the first six games of the year because that's about where the trade deadline is, and that's where they have to decide, do, do you keep trying to keep this together and keep fighting around or do you just need to go ahead and try and uh, tank and you probably won't be Caleb Williams bad can you be Drake May bad can you be number three quarterback whoever that might be bad bad. I say that again Bo Nix bad Uh, Bo Nix bad or uh, or Michael Penix or whoever Uh, because the first six games you got a mix and match you're at Minnesota you host Chicago you host Philly it's gonna be tough at New Orleans host Detroit host Atlanta so you got four home games in your first six you got some non-playoff teams from last year and uh, probably a couple teams that won't make playoffs this year certainly like someone like Chicago you could start three and three but if you start one and five or two and four, you need to pull the plug. So we'll see how Tampa goes in the first six games. I think it's ultimately between New Orleans and Atlanta. Here's why I favor Atlanta. Dennis Allen. I think <laughs> roster-wise, New Orleans can compete. And I don't think people should forget that Derek Carr a couple years ago, even even more recently than Baker Mayfield for Tampa, Derek Carr was really good just two years ago. He threw for 4,800 yards two years ago yep. with Las Vegas. They made the playoffs. They were a competent football team. It, his problem has been turnovers. Even that year, he threw 13 interceptions, so he is good for a double-digit interception season. But I think Carr's an upgrade on what they had. Roster-wise, they've been in cap hell, but they've tried. They, they've tried to keep this together. They've not really been willing to do full rebuild. They, they It's like they wanted no. to prove a point po- post-Drew Brees, post-Sean Payton, that they could do it without them. Well, it's still been struggling. Again, if you had a competent NFL head coach, I think this team could win 9 or 10 games, uh, maybe even 11, because the NFC South has – a pretty weak schedule this year they've got the afc south which you know the colts and texans is a poo-poo platter uh i've been using that a lot in the show recently (laughs) i probably shouldn't uh and then even tennessee and jacksonville have their concerns one of them will win it one of them will inevitably get to like 10 wins but they're not bulletproof teams so the afc south is a good division to play and the nfc north's pretty good division play because green bay is not what it was minnesota is not a sure thing detroit has no defense and chicago was just flat out awful last year so you're playing a pretty good schedule there. Uh, so I think New Orleans in a world with a good coach would be above 500-plus team. But with Dennis Allen, I'm not so sure. With Atlanta, I think they win the division. I think they win about what Cam said, about 10 wins, maybe 11. I think that's perfectly reasonable for Atlanta. I think they're going to run the ball incredibly well. I don't think Desmond Ritter has to be any good. I'm not sure. I have no idea if Desmond Ritter's good or not. But, again, I don't feel like I really have to with Atlanta because they've done enough with their offensive line. They have a good enough run game. They do have two weapons where if you just 
throw it in the general vicinity. They can make a few plays. Uh, and they committed their resources, as you said earlier, to fixing their defense. Will it work? We'll see. But they certainly threw the money around to try and make it better. So even if it's like the 12th best defense, just Atlanta, need a, just need Atlanta a will be fine defense. with that, right? They yeah. want to be a ball control team with a, with a side of defense this year. Uh, and again, in a, a weaker division and a weaker schedule, uh, not having to play a first-place schedule or anything like that, I think it's perfectly reasonable Atlanta wins the South. They beat out New Orleans, uh, and Falcons win the division as the three or the four seed in the NFC. So that's what I got for the South. Uh, nice. Ultimately, last question for you real quickly, Cam. Yeah. Who does win the NFC Championship this year? Oh, man, that's tough. It'll be, it'll come down to the Eagles and the, and the, and the 49ers, and I th- – <sighs> I'm going to go Eagles because okay. I don't know the quarterback situation of That's fair. of the 49ers. I know that defense is going to be great. I just, you know, if Brock Purdy's healthy all the way, all that, I just, I just, I don't buy it. I know Jalen Hurts is great. I know they have the one-two punch in 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 AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, and then I know they're going to have a consistent run game, uh, and the defense will perform. You know, they're even if they have a middle of the pack defense, they'll be fine. But their defense will probably be good. Their defensive line will probably get to the quarterback a lot, and so that'll win them some games. So that's that's kind of where I have them. I think I think the Eagles will end up winning the NFC. It, I just am scared off of San Francisco because of Purdy's arm yeah, issue, yeah. and Tommy John surgery is not something it's, we hear about in football often, and that's why I don't know as much uh, to process it a little bit, just because it's so rare. Yeah. Uh, so. I lean towards Philly too. Again, I won't pick Dallas in the playoffs. I just won't do it. it they'll have to. They'll have to win it before I Never. actually pick them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone in the South would be capable of getting to Philly's level and NFC North. Minnesota's fine. Detroit could have a good year. I still think there's too many problems. Uh, to beat someone like Philly. So I got repeat. I know it's boring. I know it sucks. It won't happen, but I've got Philly too. TB disagrees. It's fine. Uh, But we both got Philly, so congrats to San Francisco. Or, you know what, congrats to Minnesota. I don't care. Kirk and all of his cousins. (laughs) Anyway, uh, real quickly, Cam, we've got a couple minutes left here. Uh, Give us your thoughts on Auburn Cal. What do you want to see? What do you think happens? I I want, again, I'm I'm just big on giving giving the the quarterback – Getting him to throw the ball, I, th- I really want that to want to see see uh, Peyton Thorne just air it out just a little bit more, be more you know hit hit his throws a little bit more, see if the receivers can get some separation. That's something I want to see. Um, and I think the run game is going to be perfectly fine. I think I do think overall the offense will be fine. I just want to see that from Peyton a little bit more. The defense obviously got to key in on the run. That's my biggest thing. They they have got to key in on the run. Pass rush just needs to be a little bit more dynamic. Get off the ball a little bit better, like Hugh Freeze already said. Um, and and they'll be able to win the game. You know, I I do think it'll be a relatively high scoring game. I could probably see Auburn winning. You know. Maybe 42, 35, somewhere around, you know, maybe a one touchdown game, uh, 38, 35, somewhere along the lines of that. It will be close because Cal will be competitive. Um, and, and that's, yeah, that's where I see, yeah, about a, about a one, a one score game, but a high scoring game. Yeah. Again, I, I, the line on that, or no, excuse me, not the line, the over under on that, uh, still just absolutely shocks me. And I'll have more thoughts on it throughout the week, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's certainly an interesting line there. Final minute or so of the show. We'll wrap it up as we always do with a nightly TV guide right now. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. 
Sports Calls Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Only a couple sporting events for you tonight, 6 o'clock. More U.S. Open tennis for all the customers that don't have Spectrum. That's on ESPN. Uh, hopefully you found alternative means at this point. This is starting to drag on a little too uncomfortably long. I found alternative means uh, through other logins. But uh, nevertheless, uh, 6 o'clock ESPN, U.S. Open Tennis. 620 Valley Sports South, St. Louis Cardinals, Atlanta Braves. Braves gave up millions of runs last night. They hit four homers but came up short. They'll try and even the series against St. Louis. 7 o'clock on FX. It's the first Avengers movie. 7 o'clock on Freeform Jurassic World Dose. And 7 p.m. on TNT. It's uh, Transformers, that first Transformers movie. TP, I disagree with his picks for the movies. That is the Nightly TV Guide, presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Cam, thank you very much for being here, sir. Hope you have a good rest of your week. We'll see you again next week. I will. Glad to be here. Can't wait for next week. We get to talk some post-NFL games. Absolutely. Appreciate Tom Peavy for joining us for the majority of the show. Also appreciate TP Hammock for running the board and taking your phone calls today. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for Tom Peavy, TP Hammock, and Cam Berry. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.